pitch, and Wallace drills this one to deep right field. That's way back. Way gone. Walk off home run. Skyler Wallace and Alabama advances to the semifinals as that one went off of the SEC now set in right center field. The payoff to the SEC player of the year. Got her looking on the outside corner and the pitcher of the year goes nuts as Sarah Cornell strikes out Abby Cheek. Oh boy, what a moment for the Hofstra transfer and the side is retired. The 1-0 is drilled to deep center field. Way back, way gone. Get out the mustard and the rye bread. Grandma, it's a grand salami and we're tied up at five here in the top of the fifth inning. 23rd homer of the year for Bailey Hemphill. The sixth grand slam for the Tide and it's a whole new ball game. 1-0 to sides. This one is hit high and hard. Out to center, drifting way back. That ball is driven to deep left field. That's way back. We're gone. Another three-run homer for the Crimson Tide here in the bottom of the first inning. It's 6-0 Alabama. What a moment for the senior Mara Schroeder, and what a first inning for Alabama as Kelly Barnhill in what will probably be her final game at Florida has been chased in the first inning. Pitch to Hardy. That one is lined through to center field for a base hit. Go! Chloe comes home. The throw is through time. And Alabama walks it off. So a single by Caroline Hardy. And we're playing again in 30 minutes. Hello, hello. Welcome to season two of the Out of the Box podcast. It is a pleasure to be back on the air actually talking about real life softball, not reminiscing about what happened last year. We are pumped to be back. Gray Robertson alongside Tom Canterbury, as always, the Out of the Box Boys, ready for 2020. Let's go. Although I'm I'm not opposed to reminiscing (laughs) a little bit because it was a lot of fun last year. It was a lot of fun. As you heard with that great intro we just had here for for the podcast, (laughs) well done. Again for that one, but yeah, a lot, lot of fun last year. But now, as we mentioned the entire time last year, Alabama was a year ahead of schedule. So now we're here. Trivia night is over. We've had the the dad jokes were flying. <laughs> Everything was great. I don't know if anybody else had fun. I had a great time. You had a great time. I had a great time. All right, so real quick, <laughs> we did trivia night this past Saturday. Yes, Tom Canterbury, your favorite joke from the evening. That we dished out. I think my favorite joke was the one that Patrick Murphy laughed at the hardest, which was the uh, <laughs> the question was, what is the oldest living thing in the world? And I said, it's not Ralph Weekly and, and Murph laughed. <laughs> I enjoyed your multiple digs at Florida when you said, <laughs> right. after the first inning of trivia, well, if we were in the Women's College World Series playing Florida, it'd already be 6 nothing, and Kelly Barnhill would already be out of the game. <laughs> right. And the crowd, you heard yeah. a couple oohs, Ooh, but a lot yeah. of laughs. Oh, yes. Because we crossed the line with that one. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, sorry. Stepped over the line with the the shot at Texas A and M's old facilities. <laughs> Didn't know that was a, a that was the, that that's, was a touchy subject. That's the one. That that's gets the, the one. crowd against you. I got him. Oh boy, it's the season two premiere. Yes. Ready. Oh my goodness. So ready. We've got a great show. We're going to start as usual with our trip around the bases and start at the plate talking about Alabama in 2020. Mm-hmm. We're going to discuss a little bit of what we talked about in the fall ball episode, but we've got more information now. Stuff's happened. Exactly. We've mm-hmm. got we've got everything. We know the rosters are pretty much set all across the board for the first couple opponents for Alabama. So we'll talk about that. Then we will advance to first and break down the SEC. The conference looks interesting. Yes. And frankly, I could see any team coming in any place between two and nine, really. Right. I think I think we're both on the same page with who's going to win the SEC. <laughs> yes. But after that, mm-hmm. it could be anybody. It could be. It's, it's a wide-open year, uh, which kind of leads to the possibility of some Cinderella-type runs. Yeah. Teams that you're not usually used to seeing at the top kind of making making their play. So we'll see if that happens this year. We'll see. And we'll make our picks later in the show. <laughs> the guaranteed to be wrong picks <laughs> <Yeah>. coming up. <laughs> All that yes. and more. We will steal second with Patrick Murphy. You know him. We know him. We saw him Saturday night. He loved our jokes, I think. <laughs> Some hey. of them, right, yeah. <laughs> yes, and then we will round. When he told us less is more, I was a little worried. But then I understood. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Gotcha, coach. Got it. We're listening. We got the sign. <laughs> <laughs> then we will round third, chat with Emily P-Tech for P-Tech's point of view. And then finally, we will head home. We've got a lot in the heading home segment. We've got Landmine or Goldmine. Tom, you did way better than I did last year. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mentioned that a couple times. Not, no denial at all is, is absolutely 100% Correct. true. Yeah. Then we'll make our SEC preseason predictions. Mm-hmm. We've got off the wall. Amazingly, the season hasn't started. Already have an off the wall. Crazy. Yes. We've got our plan for this year. We've got swag. We've got gear. Wow. We've got stuff in boxes in my room <laughs> for the people. For all the out of the boxers out there. Yes. But we'll start off at the plate here talking about Alabama. As we did last year, we'll go through the roster. By class, mm-hmm. first touch on the departures. We did this a little bit in the fall ball special, but Mara Schroeder, Caroline Hardy, Reagan Dykes, Courtney Gettins, Madison Preston, Chloe Anderson, all gone. Right, a couple big losses there. Great to see Reagan Dykes at trivia night, but it was her absence right now seems to be the biggest question mark for Alabama going into 2020 behind the plate. I think it, yeah, I agree. Then nothing against anybody else that is gone. I mean, Mara Schroeder's loss is is significant, but you have more of a ready replacement, I think, in the outfield than you do with Reagan Dykes. Bailey Hemphill is your main catcher at this point. She's a fine catcher, doesn't have the arm that Reagan Dykes had, uh, which was so important last year. The shotgun was was vital in keeping runners uh, from taking that extra base. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was always there. And Coach Murphy mentioned it during trivia night, how how very important she was to Alabama's run last year. And, and how do you replace that? And who do you have that will make it to where Bailey Hemphill doesn't have to catch every single right. That I mean, that's the main point, I think. You don't want Bailey Hemphill to have to catch all the time. Carla Heiss is on the roster. She's still kind of getting over some injury stuff that happened in high school. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you don't want Bailey to have to be your number one catcher all year. Right. And So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Uh, there's some other possibilities that are in the in the pipeline that no one can talk about right now, unfortunately. Right. But they're hopefully... Uh, that will get straightened out, and you might have somebody else available. But as it stands right now, Bailey's your your main one. Yes, and maybe as it stands right now, main one for 
the uh, opening weekend, regardless of what happens with right. this other person, because this other person uh, is not able to practice with the team. Right. So Bailey is getting all these reps with the pitching staff. She's getting all these reps in the bullpen, mm-hmm. and you know we're closing in on the season. There's not much time left. Exactly. So, so. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But I think that's the biggest deal. Uh, and then you'll have to find a way to replace the maybe the off the field leadership that Caroline Hardy provided. Right. Uh, more so than even you know, she obviously did some great things, including uh, the number one <laughs> play from uh, from the 2019 season. Uh, but you know, finding who's going to be that person off the bench, and I, I think Alabama has a better opportunity this year of having a deeper bench. Yeah, I agree. And some of those players we'll talk about now. The senior class is a strong one. You've got Alyssa Brown, Taylor Clark, Bailey Hempill, Sarah Cornell, Claire Jenkins, Crystal Goodman, and graduate transfer Alexis Mack. Mm-hmm. So a lot of senior days this year, Tom. Unfortunately, Claire out for the year, but this rest of the senior class is looking pretty strong. Yeah, it it would be you'd be hard pressed to find uh, a deeper or stronger senior class pretty much anywhere right now. You look at you have the the national RBI leader and Bailey Hempill coming back, Alyssa Brown who's going to steal every base available plus. Alexis Mack, who doesn't get out, so it's it's going to be very it's going to be a potent lineup there, just of the uh, upperclassmen. Yeah, and then Crystal Goodman, who we both agreed was robbed of an All SEC team spot last year, and it's interesting for her because you've got four pitchers on the roster, and we'll talk about the other two in just a moment. But four pitchers that could all start at different times, and that's a big asset when you've got right. two opening weekends against quality opponents all. And you're playing a lot of doubleheaders, typically on back-to-back days. So not everybody's going to be able to pitch every inning. You need that kind of quality depth. Yeah, I think that depth in the pitching staff is going to really, you know, come to show here in the first few weeks when you play those those tournaments, and then when you get into conference play, Patrick Murphy's going to be able to insert pitchers in situationals. Uh, mm-hmm. A little bit more than he was able to do last year, even. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be great to see. And then you have Crystal Goodman. I think her role on in the bullpen right now is probably the least defined. Uh, I think you know, you know, when you look at it coming in, Montana Faust is going to be probably starting two out of three games every weekend in in the conference. If I had to pick right now, uh, Sarah Cornell is is going to be starting there, or Alexa or Lexi Kilfoyle. Right. So it, it's I think Crystal Goodman can be that situational person. Maybe that's the closer position. There, there's a lot of different things you can do, a lot of places you can put both Crystal and Sarah Cornell. And I think she thrives in that position, Crystal Goodman, because she's she's got kind of a junky style. She throws it fast. She throws that change up. She throws yeah. the curveball. You don't re- it's hard to pick up a rhythm with her because she just kind of goes. She attacks. And that's why she was so effective usually when teams would see her the first couple times in games. Right. By the third time, they started to pick up on some tendencies. But but then first, by then, yeah. she may not be in the game anymore. You, exactly. you switch me around. You have four four pitchers that all have four different styles. The only thing that's the same with them is they're all right-handed. You know, you kind of wish there was one lefty in there somewhere, but uh, I don't think that's that's as important as it would be maybe in baseball. But it's very it, – it, I think the fact that you have the four pitchers that all have a different style – be very very vital yeah and then we've got plenty of players coming back in the field and in the lineup junior class maddie morgan kb sides kaylee tau and i'll throw a red shirt sophomore kyra lockhart in there she's a part of that class right but good group of players right there i think we saw kb sides really step up in the back half of last year and show what she can do this season maddie morgan i still think is going to be all sec defensive kaylee yeah. tau was an interesting case study last year because I listened to a lot of our games. I listened to a lot of the 
old podcasts we did, and she was great a lot. And then there were also some weekends where she went quiet. I think of Kentucky. I think of a couple other times in the year. And if she can get past that and be that consistent threat that she was her freshman year, then we're looking at an all-SEC season. I'll be interested to see what type of a mindset she has, if she has that chip-on-her-shoulder type mindset that, you know, yeah, she was a freshman All-American. Last year she had a good season. She set, if or came very close to, if not set, the, the walk record, was leading the nation in walks for a lot of the season last year, was doing what she was being asked to do, getting on base, would maybe like to see a little bit more run production from her. But right. overall, in general, she had a good season, but now she's not being mentioned in these All-SECs. She's not being mentioned. It's like... Where, why isn't anybody talking about her? I would like to see maybe she has that chip on her shoulder and comes out with, with trying to prove something. And also, where does she fit in on the field? Right. Does she play first again? I saw her at practice warming up in the outfield, running some of those yeah. drills with Allison Habit. So I'm I've not, seen her do both. She's yeah. done both, you know, which, you know, you're going to have a lot of players, especially as you're trying to figure out exactly what your lineup is going to be in the field without Claire Jenkins. I think you're going to need to have some players that can play both. I think you have that with both Mac and and Kaylee Tao. Yeah, I'm fairly certain as we dip into the sophomore class that we will not have a first team defense like we did for pretty much 90% of last year. It's going to there's going to be a lot of moving and shifting for the first couple weeks as people right. figure out where they're most comfortable and Patrick Murphy decides what defensive and, alignment works best. And where what is the DP situation going to be because you could have Killfoil if she's pitching, she's also hitting, there's an extra spot available if right. she isn't, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of moving parts there within the lineup that you didn't have last year because of the Kilfoyle's ability to hit. Yeah, absolutely. And Lexi Kilfoyle, one of the freshmen, one of the star pitchers, the other star, you know her, you love her. It's mm. Montana Fouts, the sophomore. The, the musical chairs champion, Montana Fouts. Absolutely Fouts. owned everybody on that <laughs> stage and did not care. Just no. flung people out of chairs, dove. Yes. I will say it was a bit of a farcical competition, not to steal your word. <laughs> right. But it was more a cake barely move forward right. at all instead of a cakewalk. I think we need to discuss things with Emily Pitek on that <laughs> as as her her reign at the top of the musical chairs came to an end. We will. We'll chat, <laughs> so we'll certainly... chat with uh, her about that. And then uh, Skylar Wallace, who won the, uh, the No Crying in Baseball, the Pulling the Tissues Out of the Tissue Box uh, competition as well. Uh, I'm very excited to see what those two are going to be able to do this year. And great to have Kyra Lockhart back. She was off to a really good start last year, mm-hmm. suffered that horrible injury in Troy. Seems like she's pretty much destined to just be a pinch hitter this year because I'm not sure she's quite recovered enough, nor do I think there's room Right. To be quite frank, defensively for her, but she has clearly put in the work from what I've seen in practice and what we saw at the beginning of last year. Yeah. And again, you're just looking for that a scary pinch hitter to have off the bench. Right. Uh, and if if she's that if she's that one, great. It won't be Kayla Davis, unfortunately. Kayla not at this point, no. had some surgery in the offseason. She's not available for the foreseeable future. And uh which is unfortunate because I really liked her game. I thought she was ready to be one of those big improvements that we saw last year. A lot of the freshman class took that next step. We'll see who does that this year. But as long as the as she's able to recover from the injury, right. this it may be more of a blessing in disguise if she's able to just kind of sit back and, and just watch and learn, uh, continue to grow as a player mm-hmm. uh, without having the maybe the pressure of contributing. You know, and you're you're a part of the team, 
and you're learning how the game is played and, and what what fundamentals you need to do, all these type of things, but you're not under the pressure of having to contribute, it might be a, a good thing for it in the long run. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll find out about that in the Season 3 premiere if we get to that point. <laughs> yes. We've got some new additions as well. We talked about it. Alexis Mack, she's the graduate transfer. She's coming in from Oregon. She never gets out. I, I can't think I, I can't think of anywhere nationally that you would have a better one-two punch at the top of the order than uh, than Brown and Mac. I mean, that's got to be the lineup, right? I would think so, but I mean, we'll see. <laughs> I, again, as we found out during season one last year, I've, I'm done trying to figure out what Patrick Murphy's lineup is going to be. Uh, but he he pushes the right buttons, so yeah. He does, and Alexis <laughs> Mack joins alongside freshman Jenna Johnson. Walk on Mary Greg Anderson, congratulations for uh, mm-hmm. joining Bama U, Savannah Woodard, Carla Heiss, and of course, Lexi Kilfoyle. Yeah, and we've seen a lot of Savannah Woodard. Uh, looks like she might have an opportunity to start right off with the Claire Jenkins injury. Right. Uh, the, it looks as though Scholar Wallace is going to move to short, so that second base is, is going to be open for uh, several people and a couple of these uh, these new additions that'll have a chance to play there. Yeah, Alexis Mack really impressed me when she was running some of second. Me too. Me Savannah too. Woodard's done a good job there, so we'll see. I don't know. That'll be something we talk with Patrick Murphy about when we chat with him uh, in a couple segments. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and so we'll see how the roster goes, the lineup goes. I don't really want to make a prediction about it, A, because I tried to during the Fall Bowl episode and mm. completely miffed it, just, <laughs> just poorly phrased. I apologize because many people called me out on no. social media Ouch. platforms. Yes. But also, I just don't know what it's going to be. It could be anything. Right. The only thing that seems certain to me is one, two, three, which would be Alyssa Brown, Alexis Mack, Bailey Hempill behind them. I would think so. Yeah. Other than that, I have no clue. Then you're wide open. I mean, I, then... Kilfoyle maybe clean up Tau fifth and then Skyler KB yeah and then the, you're you're talking about having Skylar Wallace who has played for Team USA <laughs> you know at the bottom of the order I would put her at nine but I think that wow. it's a beautiful problem <laughs> right to no have. it's absolutely it is and it's completely different from what we were dealing with a couple of years ago when we would have this conversation and say I don't know what the lineup's going to look like. And neither of us felt confident about it. Right. This year, I feel fine because Patrick Murphy Whatever can throw decision, anyone then. anywhere, and I right. think it'll work out. I mean, uh, seeing what she's been able to do in the weight room and at practice so far in fall ball, I'd be fine Taylor Clark getting put in yeah. anywhere. You know, and, and she's had her struggles last year. But I, I, think you're, I think you're confident in virtually anybody coming in at this point. Absolutely. I'm fascinated, too. Right. We're going to find out so much in the first couple weekends. Yeah, there's no wading into the shallow end of the pool. No. You are jumping right in to the deep end, my friend. Shall we we go over (laughs) what's happening? Not next weekend, but the weekend after. Yes. uh, (laughs) Last year, the the one drawback, the reason why the farcical seed of eight was given to Alabama was because of the uh, strength of schedule in the non-conference. Not going to be an issue this year. Nope. 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 Not mm-hmm. at all. We nope. start with the Joanne Graff Classic in Tallahassee. Look, it's two games against North Carolina, two games against Florida State. A lot of people think North Carolina could be a top three team in the ACC. They would be joining the top three with Florida State, who a lot of people think, rightfully, right. I believe, will win that conference once again. This is pretty mm-hmm. tough to start out. Yeah, Florida State only a couple of years removed from being the national champion. Yeah. So, and, so they still have some players from that team. And then others that are that are obviously very very good. Yes, yeah, so this is a, and then you're playing in Tallahassee, so it's a it's a <laughs> tough start to the season there for Alabama. Did you know that the Florida State coaching staff has a softball podcast of their own? Really? Yes, Lonnie Alameda. If you're listening, let's do it. 
Come on. Come on. Another crossover. Get, get Why up. not? Virginia Tech has one. I know that much. Yes. Another ACC possible. The defending ACC champion, Virginia Tech Hokies. Pete DeMore. Pete DeMore. My guy. <laughs> Love you, Pete. Florida State is an interesting study. We'll talk more about North Carolina, I think, when we get to that point. I want to focus on Florida State for just a minute. Right. They bring in Kalen Arnold from Tennessee, a pitcher that we have seen before. Mm-hmm. They return Sidney Sherrill, Danny Morgan, Elizabeth Mason, Anna Shellnut, who didn't have the best average at all on the team, but was probably the most clutch player. Catherine Sandercock back to pitch. Florida State is an interesting team. They're a little scary to me offensively, but Kalen Arnold was – up and down in her mm-hmm. Tennessee career. I'm not sure about Sandra Cock. Haven't watched film on her. I don't know what Florida State's going to look like in the circle, frankly. Right. And I think that's going to be the thing. Alabama, with the pitching staff Alabama has, it's going to be hard for teams, even if they have really good offenses, to score. Right. So it's going to be how is Alabama going to be able to score on other play, on other teams? Again, Alabama's offense is outstanding. I, I have no problem with, as we were just talking about, anybody in the lineup coming up to the plate but in the when you're facing getting able to being able to face that other another color jersey okay mm-hmm. you know depends we don't know you know they may be able to knock it out of the park for patrick murphy when he's pitching in, in practice <laughs> but you know the chance to see kaylin arnold who we who we have seen there is you know alabama should not be surprised if kaylin arnold is starting on anything that she does right so I, I, I think it is a good matchup overall for Alabama, but the fact that it is the first weekend and send Tallahassee, that there's just some just the unknown there. Right. I think that people should I look, I think people should not roll into opening weekend and say, Well, Alabama's obviously better than both of these teams. They should run out four oh. Right. Because that's not how opening weekend in college softball works. Rarely. I think when you probably look at some of the, the crazy upsets that you see, a lot of them happen in that first or second weekend right. when everyone's trying to figure figure themselves out. You may be dealing with some colder weather than you're used to dealing with. There's a lot of things that could be happening. Yes. And so we go from Tallahassee back home for like three days, mm-hmm. and then we're back on a flight to the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. Mm, and it is elite. Oh, yes, because here's who's on the docket. Liberty, Washington, <laughs> South Florida, UCLA, Oklahoma State. Three teams that were in Oklahoma City last year. And another that returns one of the best ERA pitchers in America in South Florida. So right. it's hard. And now we know because I saw Jen Schroeder confirm it. Haven't heard anything from Washington. Maybe they posted something and I missed it. But it appears that Gabby Plain will pitch this season. All right. So you bring a book to read <laughs> and get a chapter in during each windup. Have you ever read Gone with the Wind? Because we'll <laughs> knock it out during that broadcast. Yes. So, but yeah, that's Washington's going to be one of those teams that is going to be a preseason national championship pick for a lot of people, I mm-hmm. think, especially with Gabby Plain pitching for them. Uh, so that, that's going to be a heck of a matchup to start off with. UCLA, obviously the defending national champion, and Oklahoma State, who was in OKC as well, uh, a team that did lose did lose some people, but they picked some people up. Yes, <laughs> so, they did. So yes. it is a, an interesting matchup all the way around. Yeah, Oklahoma State brings in Allison Febri from Georgia. They've got Haley Busby, who's fantastic, from Virginia. Carrie Eberly, who helped out my guy Pete DeMore at Virginia mm-hmm. Tech win the ACC last year. So they're talented. UCLA, of course, has that ferocious offense, but they're without Rachel Garcia. We'll see possibly a Team USA pitch-off between Montana Fouts and <laughs> Megan Faramo down in Clearwater. Who knows? Right. And, uh, but no Bubba for uh, UCLA either. Right. Uh, Team USA has hurt UCLA more than more than anybody. Yeah. 
which that's what happens when you have the elite players. <laughs> when you're really good, <laughs> right. sometimes those good players have chances to go be good right. for their country. So as we look at the rest of the schedule, go Tom with one non-conference series or game that is super duper important to you and one SEC series that you've already circled and think is going to possibly decide the SEC. Well, I'd say as far as the non-conference, not counting the first two weeks, you know, those are obviously all huge. Right. Uh, but I would say the the showdown matchup with Texas coming in, team that we saw in the Supers last year, and I think we both said it during the broadcast, even after Alabama won, that Texas was going to be a team that you're going to have to deal with for a long time. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to be they're going to be back. You know, that's that's why you hire Mike White. That's why you go that 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 direction. That's that. I think Texas is going to be. Uh, a huge a huge matchup yeah i agree um i'm excited about that because you get them twice i for one have my eye on the louisiana single game coming yeah. in midweek you could argue louisiana has the best one-two pitching punch in softball with summer ellison and megan kleiss kleiss coming from oregon ellison's been elite for years but she's been the only pitcher on staff yeah. so she's worn down by the postseason now she's got help and this is still a Raging Cajuns team with our old friend Sarah Hudek. Mm-hmm. They've got plenty of power in that lineup. I think Louisiana is a dark horse World Series contender, and to only have one shot to beat them is huge and a lot of fun, and I'm really excited to see what happens. And they're not going to have the weekly grind in their conference that you know a team in the SEC would. There are right. some, there's some really good softball played in the Sun Belt, but it's not at the, the level day in and day out that it is in in a power five and an sec type environment so that's another reason why they might be in a little bit better shape once you get into the postseason conference play what's one that really sticks out to you tom uh at at tennessee Hmm. i think that's you there is a case we made that that might decide the the sec regular season championship i think alabama and tennessee are the top two teams in the conference Uh, i think alabama is better Obviously, I, I would have no problem picking Alabama to win, but the fact that it's in Knoxville, uh, it's going to be it's going to be a tough ask. Okay, I'm going to circle LSU sure, because well, I think they're really talented. I'm yeah. not a believer in Tennessee, but we'll talk more about that in the advancing to first segment of the show. I don't know what your problem with Hunter is, but all right. <laughs> Sorry, Hunter. <laughs> Sorry, Ralph and Karen. <laughs> right. Our apologies and my ba- apologies and her bangs from. <laughs> One of the team names from trivia. Oh, my goodness. That's us at the plate. But, oh, Tom, yes. for the first time in 2020, we've put it in play. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Who are we? Well, we got to be Alexis Mack because she doesn't get out. She doesn't so get we're, out. We're we heading to first. We might be Alexis Mack all year. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to advance to first and break down the SEC. We've got the preseason All-SEC team. We're going to go team by team, go over everybody available, who's coming back, who's gone, all that and more on the other side as we advance to first here on Out of the Box. We have put it in play, and we're advancing to first here on the Out of the Box podcast. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury, partying in the studio because it's season two premiere day. Could not be more excited. It's great. Yes. It's great, and we've got a lot to talk about here in this advancing to first segment because the SEC is going to be a madhouse this year, I think. Yeah, and what uh, was a quiet offseason just... (laughs) 
got up, got just a bunch of upheaval. Right? No, Not expected. Were fine. Yeah, we were. You were. You know, we're recording the look, looking back podcast. Yeah. Everything's normal. We're all good. Oh my gosh, what and, is uh, happening? It's funny because we did our so so we did uh, we were talking over the summer. And then Mississippi State let go of Van Studeman, and we said, well, we can't, we're not available, we're not together, so we'll have to wait a while to comment mm-hmm. on it. All right. So we have the Fall Ball Show, we record the looking back uh, top five moments of 2019, and literally on the ride home, right. five minutes after I leave the studio, <laughs> I get an update that Mike Smith has been let go at Ole Miss. And the more I read about this story, the more I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. It, it seems like it's just, it's hard to know which side, but it's, it seems it becomes a he said, she said type situation. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I just, I don't know what to make of it either. I'm, and I'm not close enough to be able to make a, a judgment one way or the other. Right. Uh, but the one thing that is weird about it is the timing of it, where you have, you had two head coaches in a Power Five conference and both, you know, being happy to be Mississippi State and Ole Miss, pulling a football and firing their coaches at weird times. And so it's after the carousel is pretty much finished. So now they're, you know, you're not really able to go get anybody. You, you know, Ole Miss is doing a interim head coach and Mississippi State hired from within. And it's just, you know, you don't wonder how that's going to affect that team, both those teams moving forward. Yeah. I mean, you feel for. Everybody at Ole Miss, I feel for the players because based on the stories that I've read, there was a lot of drama surrounding this. A lot of people on the team did not want Mike Smith to go, and he was given the option of resign or get terminated. He chose resign, and uh, at the end of the day, that's still him being forced out, and it reportedly did not sit totally well with the players and the parents but there's still a lot of muddled feeling about this and no one really knows exactly at least from what i've read how this will play out this year right because ruben felix is a great associate coach he's been there for a while apparently people within the program like him but if ole miss has a bad year do they try and continue keep felix to let him uh, see if he can put his stamp on the program. Do they make a move like I thought Mississippi State uh, maybe is, is planning to do if Ricketts doesn't work out well this year? I don't know. There are a lot of ways this could play out, and it could play out over multiple seasons. Right, and you can understand why there would be uh, mixed feelings and, and a lot of people being upset about it. Mike Smith was far and away the best coach that Ole Miss has ever had in softball. Easily. Like, not a question. He had done things at, in Oxford that had never been done before, going to Super Regionals, uh, things of that nature. So it is a very odd – the timing was odd. The fact that you're, you're getting rid of your best coach is odd. Um, just uh, and, it, and it just throws their entire season into a flux. It does. And we'll talk about Ole Miss and we'll talk about Mississippi State as we break down the SEC. We'll go through team by team according to the SEC preseason coaches poll. Okay. We won't talk about number one because we already did. That's Alabama. <laughs> right. Yes. And virtually unanimous. You know, Patrick Murphy could not vote for himself, and then somebody else voted for Tennessee as well. Uh, so let's move on to number two, that team that got two first-place votes, the Tennessee Volunteers. They lose Matty Moss. They lose Kalen Arnold in the circle. They lose 2019 second-team All-SEC-er Aubrey Leach, one of the best leadoff hitters the conference has had. Haley Bearden is also out, but... 
They get back Allie Shipman. Great to mm-hmm. see her back from injury. And I, I was talking to our buddy Brian Rice, who does radio for Tennessee. Right. He said that she's great. She's good to go. So no hiccups there. They've got Jenna Holcomb, 2019 second team All-SEC, Amanda Ayala, Chelsea Segern, who's on the preseason team for 2020. And I think the reason Tennessee is number two, Ashley Rogers, the sophomore, sure. who you could have argued, other than Montana Fouts, was the most important freshman in the SEC last year. Yeah, and if I had to pick a non-Alabama player who I thought could be the conference player of the year, I think it's Allie Shipman. Really? Yeah. I, I think you saw how vital she was to that team when she went down last year. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, to have the to have the year, to have the offseason, you know she's going to be motivated. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I agreed with the coaching coaches poll of putting Tennessee number two. All right. I have uh, I've put myself out there in our group texts. I'm going to back it up publicly. You're anti-Tennessee. I am anti-Tennessee this I, year. I am in general anti-Tennessee, but I'm not <laughs> necessarily anti-Tennessee of this, this season. I'm anti-Tennessee this year, and it's because of one question. Who's going to pitch besides Ashley Rogers? Now, yeah, I get that she's good. Somebody and will. She's superb. And right. they brought in a freshman named Callie Turner, who is a top 10 recruit in Softball America. Right. I don't know who else is effective, though, besides those two. And Tennessee couldn't get it done last year with three really good starting pitchers. So I am very concerned about them. And their schedule's not exactly a cakewalk either. Right. Okay. Well, I'm, and, and I, I don't disagree with you that there are questions. I, I think that there are there everybody has questions. Yes. That's one of the reasons why Alabama is the far and away favorite is because they have the least amount of questions right. relative to everybody else. Well, and that's we opened the show talking about this. I think anybody from two through nine could finish anywhere in those rankings mm-hmm. in the preseason poll or in my right. poll. Yeah. I mean, I just I'm not sold on Tennessee and you look at their conference slate at Texas A&M at Kentucky at LSU at Arkansas those are the four road series not all four do I think they would be favorites not all four not in all four do I think they'd be underdogs but that's three toss-ups and then one probably surefire win at A&M and I'm not sure they win all three or any of those three series now if they yeah if they don't win those series and they're not gonna finish second right so yeah, I don't know. I'm not a believer. Okay, I'm not a believer. All right, sorry. Let's move on. <laughs> I'm no, don't. I'm not championing Tennessee by any stretch. Don't. Yes, yeah, so let's not. <laughs> I, I trust me. I know. I know how this works. <laughs> okay, we've been working together a while. Let's move on to number three in the SEC preseason poll: the LSU Tigers. They've mm-hmm. got Aaliyah Andrews back, Mary Beth Gorsuch back, Shelby Sinceria, 2020 preseason All SEC team member, as is Aaliyah Andrews. Savannah Stewart was on the All Freshman team last year. I was really impressed by her when we went to Baton Rouge. Shelby Wickersham is back. She was on the all-freshman team as well. They lose the Sanchez's. Shamaya, Amanda, Amber Soret's gone. Michaela Schlotman's also gone. But still, this is a very talented roster, and I think it's all about pitching development, as we talked about at the end of last year. It's all about pitching development from Beth Torina. Yeah, I agree. I think there's also... There's got to be a mindset issue, I think, with LSU. I was surprised last year the way the series happened at the end of the year where Alabama, after they clinched the conference championship, the next game, which meant absolutely nothing to Alabama, the final game of the season meant nothing and meant something to LSU because they were playing to try to solidify where they were seating-wise. It proved hugely vital for LSU because they did not get a top eight seed. Right, and they just came out as flat as can be. Mm -hmm. And you kind of look at that. There were some times where that has happened – you know, a lot in the LSU during the Betsrina era in Baton Rouge. So I think that has, I think that is as much of an issue as anything else right now with the Tigers. 
Yeah, they come to Tuscaloosa, middle part of conference play, and Easter weekend. Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm excited to see what they are because I think that they've got the talent to challenge Alabama, frankly, but they also could have that swoon and they could show that lack of interest that puts them near the bottom half of the conference. Right, and that's one of those things that you they they seem to put it back together by the time it gets to postseason. Right, but there's always that swoon in there somewhere. That has has cost them in the past. We'll and see what happens here. They've got a weird schedule because they are one of the few teams that will have a back to back home series stretch and then back to back road and then back to back home again. Mm. So it's going to be an interesting type of travel for the LSU Tigers as we take a look at the 2020 SEC preseason coaches poll. Number four, Tom, Kentucky. They lose Abby Cheek. No more cheek bombs in mm. 2020. That's sad. Yeah. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Hate it. <laughs> Abby Cheek is, has reached that level like a Tory Vidal. So she's gone. She's gone? Okay, good. 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 Thank goodness. Thank yes. goodness. We no longer have to worry about Abby Cheek. We still have to worry about Grace Ballman and Autumn Humes and Kayla Kowalik in 2020 SEC preseason selection. Alex Martins. Per usual, I got to see it. I got to see yeah. what this team is because I know they can pitch, but can they hit? They lose basically their the best of their offense from last year right and the sec player of the year they are as usual an enigma that i won't i can't figure out no clue even after you see them you don't know oh well i'm still not sure (laughs) and it it was one of those things and this is a team that came to tuscaloosa and won a series and was the better team frankly right played alabama played alabama in tuscaloosa the tide got them back in the sec tournament uh so they obviously had the talent i think it might have been a situation where they picked the wrong year to play the the ridiculously hard schedule mm-hmm. because of their pitching depth. This might have been a better year pitching depth-wise to play that schedule. Of course, now they don't have Abby Cheek, so I don't know. Maybe you never play that schedule if you're Kentucky. I just don't play <laughs> just every don't do team that. in the top ten, frankly. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. I don't make these schedules, no. but if they asked me, I would limit the random series – at Texas Tech, of course, it's tough though because you got they got to go on the road because it always rains in Lexington, <laughs> Lexington and Knoxville. It will rain all the time. Oh, don't we get a Knoxville issue? Yes, oh, no. and it will rain at some point. It will. That's it not will. even a gold mine or landmine. That will happen. <laughs> You've already struck gold. You've been picking <laughs> and you found it. Oh boy, I'm like a niffler. Let's move on to number five. Florida. Yes. Here we go. Oh Let's my talk Florida. <laughs> they got everybody. Not not the returning SEC champions. No. They no. got everybody back, though, except for two. Somehow they're the fifth seed. Those two, though, uh-huh. are Kelly Barnhill and Amanda Lorenz. See ya. They're gone forever. Two of the uh, best have ever done it. 100%. And so now the question becomes what the question was all year last year. Can everybody else do something? Right. And we'll see. Too often it was no last year. Yeah. Um, if the answer is no this year, this is a below 500 team in conference. Right, which is just weird to even contemplate. Right. Uh, but yeah, as a lot of it's going to come down to, uh, to Miss Lindemann. Yeah, it is. Who, by the way, if we're talking snubs on a 2020 SEC preseason team, I know that there are politics with field positioning and whatnot, and they've got infield, outfield, but a lineup like that without Kendall Lindemann doesn't make sense to me because if Florida is going to be top five in the conference, it's on her. It's right. on her and whoever they decide to pitch, whether it's Natalie Lugo or Elizabeth Hightower or uh, the new recruit in Riley Trilisek. 
Yeah, I think it's going to come down to who are the freshmen coming in for Florida. You know Florida's always going to recruit well. They're going to have talent coming in. Mm -hmm. So I think if Florida is able to make more of a run this year, it's going to be because of the youth movement. They might have to outscore people because unless unless the pitching staff uh, that was behind Kelly Barnhill has made just incredible leaps and bounds in this offseason in the pitching lab they may have been able to do it experiments right. have been <laughs> a running <laughs> we'll see what happens we'll see if they found natalie lugo because she disappeared she just left so <laughs> i don't know what's happening but unless uh, there's going to be a lot of you know six to four nine to seven type games for florida this yeah, year. yeah and they've got a gauntlet they've got you could argue uh the second Hardest, if not maybe even the hardest non-conference schedule, challenging Alabama. They've got to play Michigan. They've got to play at South Florida. They've got Arizona. They've got Northwestern. Louisiana three times. Baylor three times. UCLA, the home and home with Florida State, Arizona State. So there, there's a lot of talent on the schedule in the non-conference. So Florida's going to have to figure out who they are very, very quickly. Yeah, and we will see because a lot of those games, those type of things – you know those schedules are made in advance. We'll see like those those type of games are named are made because of the name of Florida. Yes, we'll see if they can live up to it. Yeah, they've got to back it up. Speaking of backing up, we'll back up behind five and go to six with the Georgia Bulldogs. This is a team that I thought could make a run to Super Regionals last year. They lost in the Minneapolis Regional to. Amber Pfizer, who was on fire. Right. They lose Alyssa DiCarlo. They lose Kylie Bass. I think you could argue maybe the biggest loss in terms of transfers in the entire league is Allison Febri leaving Georgia to go to Oklahoma State. But they've got back a lot of the bats, and they've got Mary Wilson Avant, who has to turn a corner. If Georgia yeah. wants to compete in this conference, they're going to get some offense. But last year, the offense was way too inconsistent for the pitching that they had. They've got to have an ace that can back them up when the bats disappear. Yeah, and we've seen that happen at Georgia, having you know, going you know, a senior pitcher who's really turned it on. That has happened before, so I would not be shocked to see that happen. I want, I still got to know the reasoning behind someone like Febri leaving. Yeah, because that, that that was just a shocker, out of nowhere. Right, and so is there is there an off the field issue? Is there a, is there a team chemistry issue? Is there an issue between the coaches and and the players what is going on what happened why did one of your best players decide didn't want to transfer when she she was it's not like she was getting benched or she was not being utilized she was going to be one of their best players this year. she was going to be the star this year she was going to fill in that Alyssa DiCarlo spot right so I this is not a mid-major having an opportunity to go to this is you're not gonna it's hard hard to get bigger than an SEC best player on the team and why would you go why why I, I got to know why that happened before I can really make any type of judgment on what's what's going to happen this year yeah. for the Bulldogs. You're right, because that does say something about the locker room, if that right. was an off-the-field issue. And if anyone out there knows, because yeah. we don't have contacts at Georgia that yeah. would let us know, then tweet us at outofthebox underscore pod. But it's a mystery. And it I think it's a big difference. I've still got Georgia pretty high in my rankings. We'll talk about that in a bit. But... This is a team that could have challenged Alabama legitimately because Alabama's not on their schedule, and without Freebreed, that gets harder. It does. Yeah. Let's move on. Number seven is Arkansas. They've got Mary Half. Yes, they And do. they've got Autumn Storms. Autumn Storms in her 27th season at Arkansas. <laughs> Somehow a higher-up <laughs> All-American than Montana Fouts last year. Just 
You want to use the word? Yeah, that that is a farce. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And they've got Hannah McEwen coming back. She's great. She's a 2020 preseason All-SEC, was first team last year. Danielle Gibson is back. She had the home run for the cycle. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was awesome. So she's great. And uh, besides that, pretty light. Uh, There you go. So I don't know what to make of Arkansas. It's obvious they will be carried by their pitching. Right. Yeah, and it's going to be one of those. Arkansas is going to want to have a lot of 2 nothing. You know, three one type of games, uh, which the thing is, I'm not sure if that really works in college softball anymore. Yeah, that, it's changed. Yeah, you, know, you know, you got a great pitching staff at Alabama, but there's an offense to go along with it. I don't think you can just 100 percent rely on what will shut everybody down, and that's what Arkansas is going to have to try to do. Yeah, and they're going to have to do it with Autumn Storms, who has been erratic at times in her career, and Mary Half, who's coming off of a torn ACL that happened right at the end of the season. <laughs> the, the the mystery ACL injury that no one knew about. Unbeknownst to literally everyone. Right, which would have changed all of our predictions. Thanks for not telling us. I looked like an idiot. Thank you, <laughs> Courtney Dyfel. Right. Let's move on to Oxford. No Mike Smith this None. year, as we detailed earlier in the segment, but they've got my girl, Molly Jacobson, she's mm-hmm. back. A right. little surprise. She wasn't preseason All-SEC. I would have put her ahead of Storms. But they lose Kylan Becker. They lose Brittany Finney, their number 2 pitcher. Ole Miss, a lot of bodies back. I don't know how many of those players, though, are difference makers to right. make Ole Miss a relevant threat like they were last year. And again, what what is the off-the-field situation? What is the team chemistry like? How are they, how are they dealing it? Sometimes when there is the upheaval at, at the top, that galvanizes everyone, so maybe mm-hmm. that's what happens. But uh, yeah, that's going to have something I'm going to have to see before I would I would think it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you there. Uh, let's uh, move on to South Carolina, number nine in the preseason poll by the South Carolina stock, folks. I really, think, I think this team is ranked way too low. I'm not saying they're going to win the league, but I'm saying they are way better than ninth in the Southeastern Conference. They lose Dixie Rayleigh. Yay! Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Do your cheer, Tom. <laughs> Kennedy Clark is gone. She hit 383, but. They bring back Kenzie McGuire, Lauren Stewart, Mackenzie Bozel, Kayla Drotar, who, as we talked about at the end of last year, surprisingly pitched the most innings mm-hmm. on the roster. Jana Johns, who's been great in her career. Alyssa Kumiyama. They bring in Baylor transfer Cassidy Krupit, 2019 SEC All-Freshman team member Madison Owens. And I think most importantly, they get a healthy Kelsey O. Yeah. She was hurt basically all of last year. I think this is a team that is primed to make a push for – a super regional hosting spot potentially. Yeah, I, I think the injury to O just really just kind of threw their entire season into flux last year. Yeah, like they they couldn't really get a solid rotation down the entire season. They tried to get her back some, and she just couldn't ever really go. Uh, she's much better than than the the stats show that she was last year. So uh, the more that you talk about, them, the more I, I'm thinking maybe South Carolina does need to move I, up some. It's so low. I yeah. mean, they're one spot above the team we're about to talk about who isn't even playing in the postseason. <laughs> not allowed. No. Yes. So I think South Carolina, buy the stock, folks. I'm not sure what to do with the Missouri stock. They're 10th. They're not playing in the postseason because their appeal was not overturned, which I, I think is ridiculous, I did frankly. Too. Yeah, I think it was. It, the part, The penalties were way too harsh to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that they proved their point in the appeal, and the NCAA just said, meh. Yeah, I don't know about all the other sports, I didn't study that. I know what happened at Missouri. We all do. Right. And the Did not penalty, deserve it. Yeah, the penalty that is coming is does not befit what nope. happened in Columbia. As we've seen with you know with the NCAA sometimes, uh, we saw it with the, the Quinterly decision yeah. for men's basketball at Alabama, it's like they just flip a coin. 
mm-hmm. and the precedent from what happens elsewhere doesn't factor in. It just makes no sense. Yeah, and I hate it for Larissa Anderson, great coach. She got a lot out of her players last year. She was she, primed for a decent season yeah. this year. She follows out of the box. Yes, she on does. The Twitter. She does follow out out of the box underscore pop. <laughs> yes, and she's got Jazz Rollin coming back. Brooke Wilmus, who mm-hmm. had a very subtle, fantastic season last year. Right. Kim Wirt, Eli Daniels, a, a pitcher that they relied on a bit last year. They've got a Syracuse transfer coming in. So. This was a team that I think could have done okay, but now I don't know what their mindset's going to be. I don't know where Missouri's going to finish in this conference, but I don't think they have a talent to push for the top half. No, but I I would not be surprised. They're going to be one of those teams that are, they're going to beat somebody hmm. that, that they're not expecting. They're, I think they're going to have a say in who wins the conference or who finishes toward the top of the conference. I agree with you. Because they, they might that they'll get, they'll get an upset of somebody they're not supposed to. Yeah. They're tricky. Yes. And I'm looking at their schedule now. They get at home Ole Miss, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Alabama. Right. To close out the season. Mm hmm. I'm I don't think Alabama's that team. <laughs> I mean, let me put that out there. But Kentucky could be. Sure. And then those road that road series, so we might be looking at that road series of Florida. At Florida? Maybe looking oh. at that one. Uh oh. Uh oh. Tom going out on a limb. Sweeps are hard to come by <laughs> right. unless you're playing a team Tom doesn't like. <laughs> then here we go. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's fly through these last three. All right. Number eleven is Auburn. They're not good. No, this is this is going to be this is the drop off. I think last year I listened to some of the podcasts back in the. Worst take I had all year was that there was a clear gap between the top and the bottom in the mm-hmm. SEC. Right. That didn't prove to be true. I think there is this year, though, from the top 10, possibly nine, and everybody below because right. Auburn's just not a very good softball team. And the people that were good, they left, left the program. <laughs> Said, I'm going to not be good somewhere else. Thank you. And I don't know why, frankly. I, I really don't know why they lose Taylor Snow to Oklahoma, Chardonnay Harris to Louisville. K.K. Crocker transferred somewhere. I don't know if she actually announced it. She was tired of not starting but playing the entire game. I don't get it. McCracken's gone from graduation. Veach is gone. Podani's gone. And Michaela Martin, unfortunately for her, couldn't get a medical redshirt because I think she played just enough to not qualify. Yep. This is going to be an easy series for a lot of teams this year, quite frankly. And they're just going to get beat up in the non-conference. This was not the year for Auburn to play in Clearwater and the Mary Nutter. <laughs> what are you doing? Mickey. Mickey. Come Mickey. on. Mickey. Stop. And <laughs> they, they get Minnesota at home, and Minnesota, it's going to be 85 degrees, and Minnesota is going to be passing out. So that's going to help them. But other than that, I'd, why, why play the schedule? This is the year you play a light schedule if you're Auburn. UCLA, Arizona. Notre Dame, Baylor's going to be better this year. Right. This is uh, why are you doing this? And Arizona State's good. I'm excited to see what befalls the Tigers. <laughs> as as am I. We'll see them in Tuscaloosa. You hate to see it. Let's close out Mississippi State and Texas A&M tied for 12th. Mississippi State has Falelua. They have Mia Davidson. That's it, basically. Yeah. And they've got Emily Williams, who will walk as many as she strikes out for the whole season. Everybody um, else is gone. But maybe a Coach Ricketts will pitch her in the big games. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's what was missing. That's what was missing. <laughs> Actually starting her when she's in the important games you'd have to win. Funny what happens when you have an ace and you pitch her when it matters. Right. There you go. And finally, Texas A&M. Peyton McBride back, Kelby Fortenberry back, Kendall Potts back, and once again, besides that, 
pretty light. They do bring in Mackenzie Herzog, who's a good pitcher from Florida State. Right. Uh, she's transferring in. They lose Klingler to Washington. I was going to say, who is going to be their best player? Yeah. Klingler. Since he transfers, transfers out. I think this is a dangerous year for Joe Evans, as it is for a couple coaches in the conference. I'd throw Mickey Dean in there as well. Don't step on my landmine gold mine. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Don't do it. We'll talk about that when we head home. For now, <laughs> we're standing at first, but, oh, Tom, what's that in the distance? We've got the sign. Yes. Green light, guys, back in action. <laughs> Here we go. It's time to move ahead and steal second with the man giving us a sign, Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy. We're going to chat with him about a lot of things, Alabama, SEC, and college softball related. That coming up when you get back here on Out of the Box. Welcome back to the Out of the Box podcast season two premiere. It is time to steal second. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury is always anchoring the show. And as we did last year for the season premiere and the season finale, we've got Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy joining us, entering his 22nd year as Alabama's head coach. Patrick Murphy, welcome into Out of the Box. How are you tonight? Hey, hey thanks for having me on. It's, it's uh, good to be back, kind of closer, closer to softball season, so we can't wait. Yeah, I know it's been a long off season for you. It's been long for us. Tom and I have been texting back and forth since we got back from Oklahoma City, basically saying, <laughs> when are we going to be back on the field or in a press box somewhere? And when we chatted this time last year, you just come back from the Japan trip. No international trip this year for Team 24. So what was the off season like as this team tried to bond once again and get that chemistry that was so vital last season? Well, I think, you know, it's a- Every year, no matter how many you have returning or how many you lose, it's a totally different feel. And you hope that the younger kids that are now sophomore, junior, seniors are wiser, stronger, uh, better prepared to handle stuff. Um, You hope it's all in the positive column. Uh, And then you add in, you know, we have uh, five freshmen. We have um, the transfer from Oregon. Uh, Alexis Mack, so we have some newbies. But the the seven seniors have done a really, really good job all fall, uh, you know, holding people accountable. We had a book club this fall, and I said, if we're going to do this, you know, nobody's going to miss, and we're going to set a time where everybody can be there, and, you know, we're going to do this. So we did um, the book called The Four Agreements, and you make four agreements basically with yourself and how you're going to live. And um, I thought it was very, very good. I think they enjoyed it. But I think that that is going to set the tone a little bit for this year. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I think another really um, new element, I guess, would be somebody like an Alexis Mack that didn't play her senior year, graduated from Oregon, and had one year eligible. Um, so she, she hasn't played for a long time and just that excitement and enthusiasm and energy and I can't wait to put on a uniform again is rubbing off on some of our older kids Mm. which you know what I mean it's like a it's a refresher course and she is so excited and um, I think she's just that that factor alone of I can't wait to put on a uniform and play is going to help us you mentioned that freshman class coming in. 
Uh, if you could just give us a real quick overview of the uh, the new faces we're going to see. Well, we have a catcher from Ardmore, Alabama, Carla Heiss. Uh, really good frame, good size for a catcher, tall and lanky. Really improved her hitting this fall. Um, she's going to provide us with innings behind uh, Bailey Hempel. Um, Savannah Woodard, one of the best athletes uh, we have found from the state of Alabama, from Hayden, uh, state champion, 5A player of the year. Just, you know, we don't have a lot of kids. You know, our roster's not that big, but when you look at a kid like her, she could literally play first, second, third, or short. And we've got a lot of kids like that, mm-hmm. which is going to be fun because you're going to see different lineups and, you know, people in different positions. And, you know, Skylar Wallace could literally play six positions on the field and be fine at all six. So Savannah's um, throws right, hits left, and really improved her power. I thought Michelle Dilt did one of her best jobs in the weight room with Savannah. Uh, just really improved her athleticism and strength. And I think you guys will probably notice that um, right off the bat. Um, Alexis Kilfoyle, I guess I should call her Lexi because she prefers Lexi. <laughs> and that way we don't have two. Um, Alexis Mack, who prefers yeah. Alexis, but Kilfoyle. <laughs> um, just tremendous strength, power, great arm, um, just some nasty pitches. She's going to have one of our best change-ups we've ever had. And, you know, about midway through the fall, I said to her, I said, Lexi, I, I really want you to hit. And she looked right at me. She said, I do too. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to hear. And um, she's got pop, not as consistent, but when she does hit it, it's Bailey Hemphill mm-hmm. power. And she'll literally hit a, hit a ball, and it'll leave the park like a golf ball. Um, so I think she had, what, one this fall in fall ball? Yeah. Uh, one that I saw. Score- yeah, one off the middle of the scoreboard. So when she gets her consistency and, um, you know, her number one priority is always going to be pitching. So, you know, that's what it, – it's so tough to have a kid do both, uh, especially in the college game because you have so many hours in a week. Um, but she's she's been really, really um, – She's working hard. Um, once she knows the strike zone as a hitter, I think she's just going to do great things. Uh, let's see. That's how many right there. That's four. And then we Carla have yeah. um, Jenna. M.G. Anderson. Uh, yeah, M.G. Anderson is a um, kid we picked up late in the fall. She's going to help us as a pinch runner, um, utility kid, good arms, good speed. And then Jenna Johnson, uh, outfielder, can play all three positions. Very good defensive outfielder. And then the other thing that I really love about her, she's a right-handed hitter. And you guys know, for the last, Tom knows for sure, but probably the last six years, every outfielder that we could have put out there has been a left-handed hitter. Right. So when we face those lefty pitchers, you know, I knew right away, I was like, well, there's for sure, for sure going to be three lefties <laughs> in our lineup. Yeah. But now we have an opportunity uh, for a righty. So she's got good pop. Again, I think the same thing with her and Kilfoyle, same with Carla, is just learning the strike zone. Mm-hmm. And once they do that, uh, I think they're going to be fine. So um, we're happy with all of them. And then obviously Mac um, is our other newbie. Well, you've got a lot of talent, obviously, and a lot of people that can play multiple positions, and you're going to have to test that a little bit with the injury to Claire Jenkins. Obviously, there's really no time to – 
test everything out because you open up with a pretty big gauntlet with North Carolina, Florida State, and all those teams in Clearwater. So how does that injury to Jenkins, who was so vital at shortstop last year, kind of change how you're going to set the defense to start off the season? Well, it really stinks for her because she's a senior. She was a great leader. She was the leader of the infield for sure. She took over that last year when she uh, played every game at shortstop. So I think Skyler's probably going to move over. Um, and then, obviously, we, now we have an opening at second. So um, we have people from Taylor Clark to Savannah to KB to Alexis Mack. Uh, so we have options everywhere. And then we have options at shortstop, too, with uh, Taylor Clark has improved a lot and Savannah Woodard. Uh, KB actually played shortstop in, in high school, but um, I'm not sure if she'd play there for us. But, again, there's there's pretty good depth there. Um, and then the same thing with third base. you got Maddie back, you have Taylor, you have Savannah, who can play anywhere. So you have a bunch of options at a bunch of positions. And Maddie also could play second base. So, um, you know, we scrimmaged yesterday for the first time, uh, you know, team versus team, red versus white. And the first ball of this whole scrimmage was a chopper that Alyssa Brown hit that snuck past the third baseman. And now, you know, okay, here's Skyler's first shot. And she backhanded it and threw it across the field and got her by half a step. So I think that might have been the best thing that happened the entire scrimmage. Wow. Just to kind of, you know, okay, I got this, I can do this. Uh, and, it, and nobody else, I mean, I don't think anybody else in the country would probably throw Alyssa out. Mm-hmm. So that was <laughs> that was a good um, start to the scrimmage. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but, but again, you're probably going to see a lot of people at different positions because just that's the way I do it. And you're on the team, you made sacrifices to be here, and you worked your butt off in the fall, so you're going to have an opportunity to show what you can do. And then it's up to them to be ready for the that opportunity. Talking to Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy, and uh, got to ask you about the now reigning Alabama softball trivia night musical chairs champion Montana Fouts, and uh, she's coming in in her sophomore season. Had a huge off season. Had the opportunity to uh, go to the Olympic trials and and play with Team USA. Uh, what what will she need to do to kind of use that? Uh, motivation maybe for this next season and to avoid uh, the sophomore slump, which is always one of those things you got to look out for. Well, I think just to stay within herself, not try to do too much. She doesn't have to prove anything to anyone, you know, throw out whatever expectations she's feeling or any sort of uh, pressure to get rid of all that. Cause she knows that everybody on the team loves her. And, um, you know, when she made the junior Olympic team, we really were, planning to rest her all summer and then after we got done with the world series i was like i can't you know that's just too much of an opportunity they were they were going to go to france they were going to ireland they were playing all over the united states so i allowed it and they won a gold medal um with her skyler uh kilfoyle and then a kid coming next year uh, Mm -hmm. that signed in november so four of those girls were alabama um, kids and so and then then we were going to arrest her when she came back, and then she gets the invite for the Olympic team. So, you know, we wanted her to be prepared because obviously that's a chance of a lifetime. Um, so then when she returned from the tryout, we said, okay, uh, 
you're not going to pitch at all this fall. So she basically uh, put her glove down, um, would stay in shape and lifted weights, all that stuff with the team. She did conditioning, but she didn't touch a ball until I think it was December 12th Hmm. um, from the end of the tryout, and it was pretty much eight weeks of off. And um, so she had a throwing program when she went home and uh, followed it to a T, and then she came back, and Steph's getting her ready. So, you know, and this is a a year where – i always done this in the past. If I feel like I'm going to have a really strong pitching staff that I'm going to schedule the heck out of anything and everybody. And cause you have, you, four, cer- you certainly did that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll either blame Bren or, you know, um, um, but when you have four pitchers that are one, a one B one C one D that's when you challenge yourself and um, just go after it, you know, and see what you can do because, it should be everybody should be fresh, you know. Um, I can I can see some weekends, you know, if we play five games, there's four different starts. You know, one person gets two, but everybody mm-hmm. else gets a start. Um, you know, just because I think they're all going to be very very effective, and you know, it probably starts with Montana, but then you have you know they have the SEC pitch of the year back, who only lost one game. Uh, Crystal only lost one, and then Kilfoyle. Um, I think is hopefully uh, when she starts hitting her spots a little bit better, uh, she's going to be just equally as good. Well, Coach, I I like that you brought up scheduling the heck out of your pitchers, and I think that uh, that was one of the big storylines from last year. Alabama, everybody knew they were better than the eight seed, the NCAA tournament, but the committee really, and they outright said this, wasn't able to move your team higher up because of the non-conference schedule. So how important was it to you, not just to test your pitchers, but also to kind of amend what happened last year to schedule so many tough teams in the non-conference? Well, you know, when you schedule about 18 months out, so all of that schedule, this year's schedule, was done before we knew what was going to happen last year for postseason. And, you know, we have Texas, Arizona at home. We have BYU at home. And then the Florida State with North Carolina. Because, you know, when you go on the road to a um, university campus, you never know who's going to be in the tournament. You're up to whoever right. they invite. You know, so um, they we got lucky there because North Carolina is very good. They've been in regionals years and years and years. And obviously Florida State, very good. We knew that was going to happen. So we got two and two versus both of them. And then when you go to Clearwater, they send you a form that says, who do you want to play? Who do you don't want to play? And there's, I think there's four SEC schools. So I wrote, you know, obviously they're not going to do that, but three SEC schools that I didn't want to play. And then everybody else, I said, fair game, you know, bring them on. I don't care. Mm-hmm. So we got uh, three of the five or world series teams from last year, UCLA, Oklahoma state and Washington. And then, Liberty, who I don't think a lot of people realize uh, was very good two years ago, just missed regionals last year. And then South Florida, and you guys know that they're good. Um, We had a really good game against them uh, at Arizona last year. But, again, they're a every year regional team. Was at the World Series uh, 2012, Super Regionals, a lot. So the first nine games are against some really good teams. Seeing how the uh, some of these preseason polls are coming out and uh, the kind of the, the expectations have changed, uh, 
this year maybe from what they were last year does it change the way that you motivate or a different mindset when you're trying to prove everybody right as opposed to maybe prove everybody wrong than what happened last year no and you know how much i hate that word so right um, <laughs> yes that's why that's why i got it out um, of the way this one time <laughs> okay. but the, the quota is it's, filled for the right. season <laughs> yeah well it's more of just people are showing us respect from what we did last year mm-hmm. i mean that's basically what it is because you haven't played a game and they're basically going on what we did last year, who's coming back, and who's coming in. You know, and that, if I was a voter, that's what I would do. You know, mm-hmm. who do they have coming back? Um, you know, pitching obviously is a huge part of the game. It's called fast pitch for a reason. And, you know, the experience is huge. So, um, you know, it's just a nice way of saying, you know, we respect what you did last year. We like your players. Um, but then, all that's thrown out once you we go to Tallahassee and we play North Carolina that mm-hmm. first game. And, you know, that, that's the curse and the blessing of playing at Alabama, uh, whether it's football, softball, you know, any sport um, that's doing well. Everybody's going to play you the toughest, and they're going to get up for the game. Mm-hmm. The challenge is you have to give up, get up to the game too. You know, and it doesn't matter who it is. It's a midweek game or an SEC series home or away, the opponent is going to want to beat you. So to me, it's kind of a blessing that you can't take a day off. you got to show up. Your starting pitcher has to have a good game. And then your hitters can't fall asleep at the wheel. So, you know, and you win 60 games last year and pretty much, you know, do a really good job against everybody. In softball and baseball, it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint, because there's so many games and you can't get too high, you can't get too low, because if you do, uh, then bad things happen. So stay at an even keel, uh, basically like a MLB Hall of Famer that hits 310, 320 mm. his entire career, stayed even keeled, didn't get too high or too low, and um, it'll all kind of like even out in the end. We're stealing second here with Patrick Murphy on the Out of the Box Season 2 premiere, and Coach, maybe my favorite thing – on the schedule, unfortunately, will not count, but it's that exhibition against Team USA on March 31st. It's going to be huge. Everybody's coming in. How excited are, are you to bring back Haley McClenney for that game and see her walking around, I'm sure, making a diving catch or two out in center field? Yeah, she probably will, dang it. <laughs> and it will be against us, but we'll still clap for her. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's so cool because I was thinking about it the other day. We played them, well, we had an all-star team play them in 2000 at the Rhodes House. So we played the 2000 Olympic team. We played the 2004 Olympic team, and we played the 2008 Olympic team. And, you know, um, it's just been a really cool uh, part of our history that we've gotten to do this. And, um, you know, we're renovating our clubhouse and everything. And the other day, um, I was going through boxes because we were unpacking. And there was a a China plate, a plate that was from Team USA that they gave to all the teams that they played that year, and it was um, the road to Beijing. And, you know, they had given it to us after we played them. So just to have, you know, it's a huge honor. It's a huge deal. Um, you know, it's not guaranteed to, to go back in the Olympics in, in 28 because we know for sure it's not going to be in 24 because Paris didn't want softball or baseball. So this, you know, it could be it, 
So we're going to, you know, kind of think of it that way, and we're going to have a great homecoming for Haley. But the other thing is, you know, uh, some of these ladies that are on this team, like Monica Abbott, you know, she's probably the greatest lefty of all time. Kat Osterman, if Monica isn't, Kat is. Mm-hmm. Um, just tremendous college careers. Kat played at Texas. Monica, uh, obviously Tennessee. And then you got the best of the best with everybody else. So, um, you know, a quick story I'll tell you. I was at Belk, uh, department store in town. Uh, it was probably a year ago. And I think, uh, I moved, so I needed some stuff. So I went into the home department and the lady there knew me and we started talking. And I don't know how we got to the conversation, but I asked her, you know, who she liked because she loved softball. <laughs> and I said, Oh, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? And without hesitation, she said, Cat Osterman. And I was like, really? And I said, you know, tell me why. And she, she just talked about Cat for like five minutes. I said, you know what? I got her phone number. So would you do a little videotape with me? We're going to do a little thing for Cat. We're going to send it to her. And so here we are at Belk. This lady and I were, were doing a video together. And I sent it to Cat and literally, Five minutes later, she goes, oh, my gosh. And she, she had the crying emoji. Um, <laughs> she said, unreal, unbelievable, you know, even in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I said, Kat, you've got fans everywhere. So just, you know, little things like that. Um, and kids that have seen these ladies playing on TV, um, and obviously they know Haley. But a lot of people, you know, our fans are the best in college softball, and they're going to know all these people. There's several Florida Ladies, there's UCLA. I mean, there's Arizona. I mean, you go on and on and on, and it's just um, the best of the best. So we're going to try to do it up really, really um, big time. Uh, we want our stop to be the best stop on the tour, and hopefully we'll have the most fans. Um, the morning that the tickets went on sale, I think we sold um, $52,000 worth of tickets within like three hours. Mm. So all our grandstand is sold out. Um, there's still um, some brickyard tickets, not a lot, but there's still some available. Uh, they moved it to, um, I think it's going to be a 5.30 start. Uh, uh, television slot came open. So it might even be better because, you know, it's a school night and hopefully kids can come and still get home at a reasonable hour because we're going to have autographs after the game. We're going to have pregame batting practice. Both teams are going to take it on the field. Yeah, wow. any home run that's hit uh, is going to be kept for a souvenir ball and autographs after the game. So it should be just a really, really fun night. Hopefully the weather cooperates. But the three previous times we played them, it's just been a really special thing. Talking about Patrick Murphy, and last thing, Coach, before we let you go, the another thing on the schedule coming up this year, coming up on the rotation, Alabama, you get to host the SEC tournament. We're having the renovations done at the Rhodes House as well. Uh, so it, it, that can be another really special time for you. Yeah, and like you said, it won't come back to Tuscaloosa till like 33 or 34. So mm, right, um, <laughs> that's a long time. That is, yes. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, we want to break every attendance record. We want every school to say that was the best SEC tournament. We want, you know, even if we're not playing, I want 4,000 people in the, in the stands because it it's an SEC championship. It's a big deal. So we're going to treat it that way. We're going to. Um, throw out the red carpet to everybody. And I know those tickets go on sale to the public, I think, March 5th. 
but we'll make sure that everybody knows the exact date. Mm-hmm. Um, but the renovations look great. Uh, the project manager told me the other day that we're they're ahead of schedule, so we might uh, he might give us the keys to the whole place um, this week instead of next week, which would be really cool. But they just, um, you know, we've asked for about nine different things, and all nine things were uh, done. So a lot of things for the fans, concessions, restrooms, new ticket booths, um, hopefully a lot less waiting in line and more uh, sitting and watching a game. So that's the biggest thing is um, the fan amenities are going to be great. And then the the last time the tournament was here, some good things happened. So that, that'd be awesome if yeah, that happened too. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, you know, I mean, um, unfortunately for Mizzou, um, you know, their appeal was denied. So it's back to a 12-team tournament. And so it'll be four games on a Wednesday, four games on a Thursday, two on Friday and the championship Saturday night. So, um, again, everything's live on TV, either ESPNU, ESPN, ESPN2, or the SEC Network. So all eyes on, on Tuscaloosa, May 6th through the 9th. And, you know, like ESPN always says it every year, it's, it's their dress rehearsal for the World Series. And it's going to be a great economic impact to the community. Um, just the whole week will be kind of a softball festival. Well, it should be a blast. And like Tom said, the last time the SEC tournament was here, good things happened. Coach, the last time you were on the premiere of Out of the Box, you went on to win Coach of the Year and go to the World Series. So let's try and replicate that this season, huh? (laughs) Okay. That would be fun. Let's do that. (laughs) That's Patrick Murphy stealing second with us. Coach, thank you so much. And we'll uh, see you in Tallahassee. We're really, really closing in on that opening game. Okay, thanks a lot for having me on. Absolutely. That's Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy stealing second with us here on the show. When we come back, Emily Pitek will join us for the rounding third portion of the show, and we will get Emily Pitek's point of view. That coming up on the other side here on Out of the Box. Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury holding down the fort. Thank you to Patrick Murphy for joining us a segment ago. And now it is time for us to round third. We opened with her in season one. We're bringing her back for season two. It is Emily P. Tech back on the show for P. Tech's point of view. Emily P. Tech, how are you? I'm great, guys. You know, Murph says tradition never graduates, and I guess it's the same for this podcast. <laughs> that was right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we were talking about Trivia Night in the uh, first segment of the show. So how do you feel losing your title this year to Montana Fouts in the Musical Chairs Cakewalk? Um, well, I, I did tweet, you know, I was reflecting on it. And <laughs> if I had to lose to anyone, you know, Reagan pushed me out because she's she's she just is tough. <laughs> she, but she's immovable, as you said, yes. She's, I said she's an immovable object and, like, I mean, I guess I know what, like, people on first base trying to steal second felt like. You know, like, <laughs> sit down. Um, but if if I had to lose to anybody, I think it's really good, like, foreshadowing that Montana one. And, you know, I, I was screaming, protect her at all costs. Yes. <laughs> don't, hurt, don't hurt her. That's, that's, feet, you know? that's why we gave her bubble so, wrap before the before the event. It's okay. Maybe, maybe you know, win like that in like three, four years, Montana will be like, yeah, I got to go win, try to win the cakewalk again. I'm coming back for trivia night. So. 
Maybe. It's all, right. it's, well, all, it's all a part of a bigger plan. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Emily P. Tech playing the long game, all of you. <laughs> right. It's just 4D chess. That's what Emily P. Tech's doing. <laughs> We're all playing checkers. <laughs> all right. Uh, but you bring up Montana Fouts. You bring up this team. Last year was so great, but this year the expectations have completely changed. You look at Team 23. That was a team that was disrespected. Nobody believed in them. Team 24, everybody believes in. A lot of people are picking them to win the SEC. A lot of people are picking them to make and maybe even win the Women's College World Series. So it really is a different mindset for everybody in the program and in the fan base coming into this year, right? It, it probably is. It's definitely it, – I think the um, the motivation has shifted. Um, I honestly think – I mean, everybody – loved the icing on the cake that was the Women's College World Series and Alabama's run through it last year, given they were an eight seed and and just didn't have expectations last year. But I honestly think this team, those returners from last year's um, team in, in Oklahoma City, will use the World Series and use the disappointment of not going further as their motivation. You're number one. Your preseason pick number one. The target is on your back now. How do you get your engine going each day? And I honestly think last June um, or late May, June is is going to be the motivation because I think a lot of them feel like they left a lot out there still. And I, I think with the the kids they have coming in, it's like next person up. It's going to be you know if I'm not if I'm a pitcher not starting today, who's going to have my back? I don't know how Murphy's going to make a lineup. Like he has so many <laughs> weapons. Like thank God I'm not him. Nah. But I think I'll tell you guys something. I went to LSU Alabama um, football game, and there were so many alums who came back to hang out for it. But the cool thing was, um, at some point during the tailgate that I was over there with all the softball girls, the current team came over, and. The inclusion and the belief in the team and the program in each other and was something like I've never seen. And any kid on the current team or the former team talked to anybody who was there. And it was just like I've known them for years. And these kids are so comfortable in who they are and what they represent that I think the bond that being on the team together is going to push them over any adversity and through anything. And it's good because they have a monster schedule this year. So <laughs> yes. they're, they're really going to have to lean on each other. And I think, I think the vibe and, and the camaraderie within the team is going to be one of the things that helps them be successful. That's an interesting perspective to have. Cause uh, I mentioned on, on one of our last podcasts that the way that Alabama played at the end of the season and, and the run through the World Series that I personally would not have been more proud of them even if they had won the World Series. Just the way that the way that they had the uh the way they came together and fought through that adversity. But now that I think about it, you're right. As a player, you're probably upset that you weren't able to finish it off. Yeah, it's like we finished a game or two too soon. Yeah. And and it's like I mean, I was there in, I've been to five women's college world series and it's like every year they got a little better. And, um, it was, it was a terrible year. I think it was in in 11 when we got trounced by Florida and the next year that team remembered what it was like. And that team went out and beat Arizona and Arizona state in the same day, trouncing them. 
Yeah. So it's like you you put that that's that chip is on your shoulder and you don't you don't forget about it if you're an elite athlete who wants to compete and wants to win championships. So which player returning do you think is ready to make that next step and become that all SEC all American and maybe in certain cases that SEC player of the year realm in college softball? Uh I mean, I think I think you got to look at Skylar Wallace. Um, I think she's a kid who is, I think any time you put her in a ring of competition, she wants to be the best. <laughs> As we saw at Trivia Night. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, but I mean, you can go player for player. There's something about each kid in their DNA that is going to make them take notice. Um, what's crazy, as it, so we talked about a little bit, Gray is, you know, Sarah Cornell wasn't on the preseason SEC list and she's, reigning pitcher of the year um yeah. and it's like okay give that kid motivation see what see what a northern <laughs> kid does with a little bit of motivation like that you yeah, know yeah so, you, you new yorkers are, are good with that type of stuff <laughs> yes we are um <laughs> but I, I honestly connect with that girl like we had so much fun at trivia and there's a great a, video a of y'all dancing around in the little package that was released on the alabama softball twitter y'all are having a great yeah. time well, she was trying to play the drums, and she was doing a poor job of it. And I actually have played the drums, and I was like, "Honey, you need some rhythm." <laughs> so we, that's what that was. But it, it's 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 fun. But Sarah's Sarah, I think will step up. But then you have um, you have like Crystal Goodman, who had a great year last year, and and uh, Lockhart, who we haven't seen yet. You mm. know, like we haven't seen her. Um, so. Player for player, what can you do? What can and I honestly think? Don't you guys think like each weekend someone else is going to step up? It's I I totally agree. I think it's going to be somebody different each time. Uh, yeah, and and the way that that Murph can put a lineup together, there's so many different options. Uh, I think that's what it leads to is there's an opportunity for somebody because you're going to be in a different spot probably than you were in the last game, so you're going to have that opportunity uh, to step up. And one other thing I wanted to ask you about too was. You know, unfortunately, we've seen the uh, the season-ending injury to Claire Jenkins. I know you as oh, a, you, yeah. But you as a player, uh, when you were you know, playing soccer or anything competitively, um, what can kind of a that can end up being a, a rallying point for everybody else when when a player goes down? Yes. Yeah, Claire. I mean, I think Claire had a phenomenal year last year, and um, I think she's also the type of person and teammate who are, who her teammates are just going to be like she deserves to go back to Oklahoma city. Even mm-hmm. if she can't play like right now, let's do it for her because she gave us everything last year and she pulled us through some games last year that we shouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know, she's going to be the ultimate Medita teammate on the sideline. You know, she's going to be cheering for whoever Murph sticks in her spot to be successful. Um, and to, to hand out tidbits about what she might be seeing, whether defensively or, or in the batter's box, she's going to be, She's going to be invested, and when you have someone behind you pulling for you, um, you could she could easily because I've been there before. I've been injured before. She could easily go the other route and be pissed off. Um, she's injured, but it's like how can how can she make someone else better? And I think when you get that from one of your teammates, you're giving your all to make sure you you pay them and thank them um, for their investment in you. We are rounding third here with Emily P-Tech on the Out of the Box Season 2 premiere. All right, P-Tech, you told me a funny story 
about the date of March 31st coming up in a couple months. Your friend Kat Osterman and Team USA will be here for an exhibition against Alabama. And this is a special day. That area is a special day for you. And it's not abnormal for you. So if you don't mind, pass that story along to all the -the out-of-the-boxers out there that don't know what I'm talking about. Well, apparently every time I get to watch Kat Osterman play, uh, I like have a child. (laughs) Oh. So or I had just had one, um, and I'm seven months pregnant, and babies do Good Friday, but he'll probably come in March, and Kat and I were just talking today, and she was like, I want a healthy baby, but I really don't want you to miss the game, and I was like, I know, let's shoot for the 17th, you can be Patrick born on St. Patrick's Day, but um, when I had Lizzie, my first one, she was playing in the MPF, which held their championships in Hoover, and um, Lizzie was... I think two months old and you both Kat and Murph were like hanging out with her and holding her. And then, uh, in her last season, which was 2015, um, I actually went down for the championships and two days later I gave birth to Caroline. So we, I hope there's a doctor listening to this podcast, <laughs> like an OB doctor. And if you are, please come and sit next to me during this week during that game. <laughs> So you never know what will happen. Tom and I do not qualify, unfortunately, no. so we no. cannot help at all there. <laughs> no, you guys are great play-by-play and color and, and podcasters, and but stay in the booth. And yes. Someone, someone just find me a straight route to DCH or up to St. Vincent's in Birmingham. So. Well, that's, well, Road Stadium's only a few blocks away from DCH, so we're you'll be fine. Everything will be fine. It'll be good. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I, know. I gotta ask you here who her, her doctor was. I'll be like, can I have him on call, please? Yeah, just be ready. <laughs> no, but but that's. I mean, that's gonna be a fun day. And I was looking at their stand beside me, stand beside her tour. Um, and they're so smart for going to these these college towns and mm-hmm. and where people eat and breathe and think about all the time is softball. I mean, it's it it's probably. Tickets aren't on sale yet, are they? I don't think so. Um, but it'll it'll sell out. Oh easily yeah, easily. Stadium. Right. I mean, you got Haley. You got Haley McClady coming back. Um, if it was just if it was it. just Haley, I think I think it would sell out. <laughs> if it was Haley's parents, it would sell out. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but it's 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 awesome, and these are the best of the best, and this is the team that will win a win a gold medal this summer. So. Um, actually in 2008, when they did the tour, they had it at, I think somewhere in Vestavia at a municipal park and, um, it was good, Mm. but the fact, I think the fact that they're coming to Alabama and Auburn within the state, which is insane. They're doing two stops in the state. Um, it's, it's going to be an atmosphere that I think both our team, the Crimson Tide can, can benefit from, uh, playing against the world's best and, the U.S. team is going to benefit from having the best fans in college softball, probably cheering a little bit against them, cheering for them. It's mm. just going to be an, it's going to be an awesome, awesome day. So I'm I'm pumped for it. I'm glad all parties agreed to it as well. the The only thing that I can compare it to you know, personally, I got an opportunity to work the TV when uh, Team USA's women's soccer team played at Legion Field a couple of years ago when they took on Haiti. And yep. I mean, and it was just—it was an absolute—it was a sellout at Legion Field in a game that you knew 
you know, Haiti didn't have a single shot on goal. Like the only time Hope Solo touched the ball, it was played back to her like a couple times by the defense. The crowd went crazy whenever Hope Solo touched the ball. But uh, you, you you weren't there for necessarily the competition, just for the fact to be able to see that team out there and playing. And you see all these little girls out there, and it was, it was so great to see. And, and this, I think it's going to be a very similar uh, situation for uh, both the games at Alabama and at Auburn. But it's going to be a much more competitive game. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, you, I, don't, I don't know who they're going to pitch. I try to keep asking Kat about that, but she, they don't have the lineups um, <laughs> or the matchups. And if I did, I, I probably would tell Murph. But sure. um, but it's it's going to be amazing, and because it's going to be some of the some of the girls on the team, you know, some of the Florida girls know what it's like in Rhodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, the SEC girls, you know, Monica, I I love her to death. She's so such a great competitor. But I got her good at Rhodes, and and Ralph Weekly once pointed <laughs> to me in the stands called a timeout, pointed to me and said, don't listen to her anymore. <laughs> um, but so hopefully it'd be fun if she pitched, sure. um, but, but you know, it'd be fun. Some of these West coast girls um, don't know what we're about down here. So it's a great time to introduce ourselves. And, and, you know, we lay claim that we're the best college fans, college softball fans in the country. And it's time for us to prove it. So, and, and I know our and girls if, are going to be up for the challenge. And say if Montana pitches, she's, she went to camp with these girls. Yeah, you know, she was uh, in yeah. the trials. It's a chance to yeah. prove herself again. Yeah, I, I talked to Cat. I, I told Cat and Haley both to be nice to her while they were while they were in camp together. <laughs> and Cat kind of took on her her wing a little bit, and you know, shared some thoughts. And Montana can only get better from stuff like that. Oh yeah. Um. So what an experience, and and I, I know it's going to be a motivating factor if Montana does pitch. Be like, hey. I should have been on this team, you mm-hmm. know, something like that. So um, it's it's going to be awesome. It doesn't matter. Outcome doesn't matter to me. It's, it's an it's an experience. So it'll be sweet. Well, it will be, and it's it's spectacular that all this is happening because the Olympics have brought softball back for 2020, and I'm so excited to watch this team this summer out in Japan. I think it's going to be a fantastic event. I think we're going to see that United States versus Japan rivalry really revved up for the uh, the Olympics. And I'm just curious, as somebody who's followed this sport for so long, how great is it to finally have it back in the Olympics and have some of your friends be on the team, people that you know wearing the red, white, and blue? It's, it's awesome. I, I was... Um... I knew a few of the people in 08, but um, you've, you've actually get to see the maturation of these athletes through college to the pro league, and now now representing our country. And they're they're biting at the bit. They're they're just waiting to get their chance to prove it. And what stinks? It's awesome. It's back in it. It stinks. It's not for the next one, um, next Olympics. But so which which means we're going to get their best shot where yeah. the world is going to get the best of the United States this year. And it's, it, it was like, it's in, it's in Japan against Japan. So it's palpable. The excitement is palpable. And um, I don't know what time zone that's going to be when those go on, but I'll have my alarm set. <laughs> I'll be up. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's another thing. Every time I have a kid, there's a World Cup year or like an Olympic year. So <laughs> I plan these things out really, really well. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Yeah. 
Uh, and and I'm also well, Tom said something similar at the end of last year as well with the Olympics coming up. How we're gonna see attention to softball revved up to a thousand percent, and not just internationally, but college softball this year. And the viewership has been up at the World Series and in the NCAA tournament the last few years. But I'm gonna kind of piggyback off of a landminer goldmine Tom had last year. <laughs> I think this year we're going to see the most eyes maybe ever on NCAA college softball because of how excited people are for softball going to the Olympics and how they know, hey, a lot of these players we're watching in college right now could be the stars of the future once the uh, Olympics does bring back softball, hopefully for 2028. It's it's the hottest sport around, I think, for, for collegiate athletics. Um, it's just, Murph said it a thousand times, the, the duration of the game, the pace of the game, um, the the relationships you can form with these student athletes um, because they want to grow the game. Every coach wants to grow the game. Um, Oklahoma city wants to grow the game. They're building that insane new stadium um, (laughs) with with the enhancement. So now, I mean, viewership is going to be up. ESPN has, has allocated a lot of their resources to make sure this is on television because people want it. There's a demand for it. Um, The, the world series is going to be, numbers and attendance we've never seen before because they are building a new stadium. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if the U.S. national team is is smart, they'll have the girls do a clinic there or something that week. Um, You know, it's just, it's, if I had a, if I, if I could have invested money into a sport and and seen the return on my investment, I'd I'd be like a multimillionaire right now. Oh yeah. You know, if this was a stock. Um, So it's, it's awesome. And I think, I think if you're a fan of college softball, if you're a fan of softball in general, 2020 is going to be a wonderful year for you. I mean, not just SEC softball, like softball through the entire country is getting better um, because people, because eyes are on it. And um, it's actually pretty amazing. The uh, sponsorship from the major league baseball now with the women's team. Mm -hmm. And and you have a, you you have a major backer. You have a, a huge entity being like your sport matters. So it's awesome. <laughs> We're getting a P-Tech's point of view. And one last thing that I wanted to mention was we talked about it earlier on in this podcast and talked about it a lot last year, unfortunately, is uh, the committee and how things are, are seated, how things are put together. Um, and part of the fact that your your sport is growing and being uh, having so many eyes on it, and I'm asking you, since you've had – to deal with it in sports like softball as well as soccer and volleyball that have to deal with committees that aren't darn that, that aren't always trying to necessarily make the best matchups they're trying to do the things that are the most economical or the way to fit in or just the way that things have always been done um how do you think that the fact that the sport is is growing to the level it is is going to have so many eyes on it are going to maybe make those committees more uh, accountable for doing the you know seating things correctly and not just you know throwing the same people up there just because they have their name, despite of what what happened this past season. They they need to start going the way of men's college basketball. Um, that sometimes you're going to have to fly a team cross country because the the matchup is better, mm-hmm. or not just because it's convenient. Um, you see a lot of you know in super regionals. You see a lot, and and this also is the saturation of some of the leagues, the Pac-12 the SEC, 
um, having good teams, having a lot of good teams that sometimes you can't avoid some of these routine matchups or, or conference matchups. But um, I think, I think one, the onus is on a coach making sure they're doing the right stuff if they're at the position or RPI and stuff that, that, that those types of things matter to put themselves in a position where they can be ranked higher. Murph learned his lesson from last year. Um, this season's schedule is insanely difficult, and you have the who's who of college softball in it, so they can't ding them for that. Um, so, and then you need, and I also think the last couple of years there have been some big things, but you know, the Minnesota coming to Tuscaloosa, um, that that didn't sit well with a lot of the Big Ten people. Um, so it's like the more you anger the different conferences, <laughs> I think the better chance you're going to have at seeing truer matchups um, instead of convenient matchups. And it, it thinks it has to come to that, and someone every year is going to be a little upset by a decision they make. But it, it does actually – I think the people on the committee should be held to a higher standard to be like – we have to get this right mm-hmm. because the product that these people want needs to be the best, the best possible um, product out there for our viewership and for, you know, people who want to see good softball and, and want to see these teams who do all the work through the season, through the 60 games or whatever it is to be rewarded on the back end, not just because it's convenient. Well, thoughtful, uh, thoughtful answers like that are why we get P-Tech's point of view. Got to get it. That's perfect. Absolutely hey, perfect. Soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> That's Emily P-Tech here, rounding third. P-Tech, we're going to get you on more this year. The one time, I'm sorry about that. We're going to get you on more, and uh, I'm excited to see you at Rhodes a good bit with uh, pregnant and with a new baby. It's going to be awesome to see that happen in one season. Thanks, guys. You know, a lot of people... I. It's crazy. It's a boy. And a lot of people have been like, have you named it after Patrick Murphy? (laughs) And I said, sometimes they say yes. And sometimes they say no, but only I know that. What do you say to Patrick Murphy himself when he asks? Well, when I, when I found out I was pregnant, he was one of my first people I texted and I said, we're going to have another kid. And if it's a boy, you'll be very happy with the name. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I'm looking forward to being out at Rhodes. The, our schedule is amazing. We play a lot of really, really difficult teams at home. So if you have not gotten your season tickets, you probably should. You can only season tickets are only available in the Brickyard, but hey, you get in the building, man. So buy your season tickets. Come see some of the best softball you'll see all year um, in one of the coolest environments, and you will have a blast. And when I don't have a baby in my belly, I will be up there on the dugout cheering. Absolutely, we know you will. Thank you, P-Tech. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for all you do, guys. Talk to you later. Absolutely. That is Emily P-Tech rounding third with her on the show. And now, Thomas, time to head home. Oh, ready to go. Here we go. Landminer Goldmine, off the wall, season predictions, all that and more on the other side as we close out the season two premiere of Out of the Box. it up thank you for sticking around we've been extra excited to talk with all of you tonight we've we've chatted so much with ourselves and with emily p and patrick murphy i'm glad you've had an extra four hours to spend with us <laughs> as we open up the the season two we've had a lot to talk about it's been a while it has uh so we'll we'll try to be a little bit more economical with the time later on but 
I mean, it's not like we're coming out one of these every day. So right, exactly. You, know, you don't have to this, listen in one sitting. You can come back if you need to. Yeah, we're calling this out of the box hyphen. The Irishman season right. two premiere. <laughs> I'm Martin Scorsese and Tom is Al Pacino. Right. I, was, I started out looking like Al Pacino at the beginning. Now is at the end. <laughs> Much older, less hair. It's it's funny. It's funny though when I look back. It wasn't that long ago. I had a luscious, just a flowing locks. Really? And now nothing. Oh. That's what kids and life does to you. Hey, Look forward to time. it, Gray. I know. I know my day's coming. My grandfather, you can see the sun reflect off the top of his head. So that's what's that's what's coming down the tracks yes, for me. Be ready. Here, here's what's coming down the tracks for all of you. We've already stood at the plate and talked about Alabama. We have advanced to first, broken down the SEC. We stole second and talked to Patrick Murphy. And then we rounded third with the great Emily P. Tech. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for us to head home. And uh, let's say we make some predictions, Tom. Ah, I like this segment. Shall we do this? You kicked my rear last year <laughs> in Landmine or Goldmine, but I've got some good ones this season. Good, yes. I'm looking forward to okay. it. Okay. So shall we begin? Sure. Do you want to go first since you won last uh, year? Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, this is a Landmine Goldmine, my prediction for Alabama. And I will say that the University of Alabama wins the SEC again this year by exactly four games again. Wow. Narrowing it down precisely. Will it be clinched when we go to Missouri? No, I think Alabama will win the first game at Missouri and that will clinch it. Okay. Okay. I buy that. So that's, there you go. I think yeah. that's pretty fair and that I could see that happening easily. A little bit anticlimactic as far as that goes, but I I'll be excited to dogpile in Columbia, Missouri again. That's fine. We'll go get some Shakespeare's after. Shakespeare's, Great. maybe some grilled cheese. Oh, yes. Let's go. Let's yes. just do it Ready now. now. Let's just fast forward to the end of the year. Just <laughs> kidding. We've got too much happening. Here's my first landmine or gold mine. I'm going to say Alabama sweeps the SEC awards except one of these two, freshman of the year or coach of the year. And I say that because the coaches aren't going to want to give Alabama everything. Yeah, but right. But – I think Pitcher of the Year is going to be Montana Fouts. I think Player of the Year is going to be Bailey Hemphill. Uh, we haven't really talked about it, but I think she's the favorite coming into the season. Oh, yeah, a doubt. 100%. Yep. And you'll see either Patrick Murphy win Coach of the Year or you'll see Lexi Kilfoyle win Freshman of the Year. And yep. I'm not sure which it'll be. I think if you see a rise like South Carolina up to as high as they – Potentially could be. You could see Bev Smith win that award. Sure. There could be a freshman we don't know about. I just know that Alabama's winning one of Coach of the Year and Freshman of the Year, and the other will be the only SEC award they do not receive at the end of the season. Okay. I like those. Yeah. I like that. After you now. All right. My second one will be more of a national uh, take, and it is similar to what I said in the SEC last year when I said somebody other than Florida would win the conference. Oh, I'm going to go nationally. I'm going to go over to our friends at the Big 12. Whoa. Where I will say someone other than Oklahoma will win that conference. Wow. In the regular season. Why? Because I think Texas is going to be really, really good. I think Oklahoma State's going to be really, really good. And I'm not saying that Oklahoma's not going to be good, but I think they're a little bit more gettable this year than they have been in the past. And the and the rest the rest of the conference is finally kind of coming along. I think maybe a little bit of the invincibility is out. Uh, I think 
the fact that Shea Knighton is not there anymore to to win, to have walk off home runs every game. Uh, I think that'll help. So and they had some turnover at, yeah. at Oklahoma. Mariah Lopez is gone, right. so G. Juarez and Shannon Sale are really anchoring things down in right. the circle. So um, again, they're going to be good. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I think someone in the Big Twelve will get them. Wow, I like that pick though because forever that conference, or at least for the last decade or so, has been run by OU, and no yeah. one's really pushed them at all. Right, and and it's and it's really kind of it, it shouldn't be that way because. Texas should be good all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, when A and M was in the conference, A and M should have been good all the time and given and given them run for their money. Uh, now, I'm I don't think I would say that about Oklahoma State necessarily, but they're getting there. But they're getting there. Yeah. Uh, so Texas yeah. Tech is getting better year in and year out. Baylor, you know, Baylor's becoming a team that you have to watch out for. So I think there's enough good teams in the Big Twelve that they're going to give give some losses to Oklahoma and let somebody else slide in there. I might slide a chip or two over to you for that one. That's yeah. a good pick. All right. I like that pick. It's bold, but it's not impossible, like some of the things I said That's last what year. I do. Yes. Because <laughs> I think I did say last year that Oklahoma would not make the champ series, and they did that. Oh, you're silly. So. Again, that's just silly, because Shea Dighton was there. I know. Stupid, <laughs> she, stupid boy. She's got, I remember, it was amazing, watching that Oklahoma-UCLA championship series. When I got home and was, you know, got some sleep and was like, okay, I'm going to get up and watch this. And when Shay Knighton hit the home run to tie things up in the seventh inning in, in what ended up being the championship game for UCLA, I literally laughed out loud. Like, I, I was like, of Me course too. she did. <laughs> of course she did. Beth Moen sounded just so surprised. How could you be surprised? It was the least shocking thing I've ever seen, <laughs> frankly. It was like, oh, wow, Tiger Woods made a putt. <laughs> yeah. How about it? Well done. <laughs> but not this year. <laughs> no. Gone. We'll see what happens. Yep. My number two, two SEC teams, two Tom will miss the NCAA tournament, and that does not include Missouri. Wow, so got, three. Yeah, so three technically, but two eligible teams yeah. will miss the NCAA tournament, and no more than two will make the Women's College World Series. I do not know who that other team will be besides Alabama. Because right. I think we are both on the same page that mm-hmm. the Crimson Tide is gearing up for a run to Oklahoma City, but right. only one other, and that's because as we went through the SEC, you probably figured it out. Pretty much everybody in the league lost their best player from yeah. last season, other than Mississippi State and a couple other teams that aren't going to challenge Alabama up top. Yeah, I I can I can see that. I could see there maybe being more than that, but I would say yeah. Yeah, they, I, I think this is not the type of year where everyone makes it because I think there are some teams that have between the non-conference schedule that some of these teams are playing in addition to what they'll have to play once they get into the conference. It's just I, I don't know if it's even mathematically possible for everyone to have a good enough record to make it. <laughs> so Everybody, Some of the teams just aren't good enough this yeah. year, frankly. All right, your last land minor gold mine, Tom. I think that we will see coaching turnover – in the SEC, the likes of which, which we haven't seen in a long time, I think we will see at least, heading into the 2021 season, at least five teams in the conference with a different head coach than they have right now. Wow. Okay. Do you have any leanings on who that might be or where you well, think the waters could, I, could go yeah, either way? I think, and I'm, and I'm not saying that necessarily means that all the five of those get fired. Ah, I think okay. that maybe there might be some that are – maybe middle of the pack in the conference that get another opportunity somewhere else 
that maybe you're seeing now some of these other conferences that are willing to match the salaries that are being paid in the SEC, match the facilities to where, oh, so I can go to maybe another conference where it's not quite as cutthroat, I can still be really successful and have about the same lifestyle that I have now Yeah, and move on. So I, I, hmm. think, I think I see that maybe more than everybody getting fired, but I do think there's going to be some firings. Wow. I, I, I would be very shocked if Mickey Dean is still the Auburn head coach after this year. I'm not sure. I think Ole Miss will probably go elsewhere. Uh, then they're then hold on to the interim title for uh, Coach Felix. Uh, there, uh, there's there's three or four that I think are, that the seat is getting warm for. Yeah, we've documented Joe Evans at Texas A&M. Yeah, I, think, I mean they brought in a potential successor in Coach Snyder, who is one of the best, if not the best, assistant coaches in all of softball. I mean he he did so much great stuff at Florida State. They woo him over mm-hmm. to Texas and to College Station. I mean they've got a plan in place if Joe Evans should want to retire because i don't think she would want to no. coach anywhere else and they didn't build that taj mahal to finish 13th in the conference right hmm. i like it so it's good i mean i i hate this i hate i don't want people to lose their job no i agree but i i, Cause think, I like everybody in the league i think every, everybody right. is a pretty decent relationship right now with each other and there's success in the conference but as we mentioned on the fall ball show the same success that worked a couple years ago ain't working anymore right if you're not making it to supers, that is considered a disappointment. And again, it's mathematically impossible for everyone to make supers. Yes, <laughs> it's, it is. It is almost mathematically impossible for everyone to make regionals. It's definitely impossible for everyone to make supers. Sometimes they make them play each other. You can't make the world not the all eight teams are not going to make it from the SEC to the World Series. So it's just, um, I think that the expectations are different. Um, and I think, you know, Coach Murphy said, I think it was now a couple years ago, but he said he thought that every team in the conference had the best coach they ever had mm-hmm. currently at the helm. Not sure if that's the case anymore. Yeah, that's not true anymore. So It was, but it is right. no longer I true. agreed with the statement when it was made. Not sure if, I, if it's the same now. All right, here's my last one. This is a little convoluted. I'll explain it to all of you. Mm-hmm. At least four, quote, non-regulars will make the Women's College World Series. Here's what I mean by that. I went by teams that made the World Series in the previous decade four or more times. So these were the World Series, quote-unquote, regulars in the last decade. Okay. Oklahoma, Florida, Alabama, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Tennessee, Arizona State, and LSU. I think at least four teams not in that list, and that list has pretty much dominated a spot in Oklahoma City the last few years, certainly, at least four teams not in that list will make it to the Women's College World Series. A team like Arizona, who is not on that list because they just didn't, they couldn't get past Supers. Yeah. A Texas, a Louisiana. I like Florida State. I like Oklahoma State. I think you could see Michigan make a run. I think it's time for Coach Hutchins to be back to OKC. I think we're going to see a couple weird teams in the Women's College World Series because a lot of squads lost people they've relied on the last couple of years. And I think that's important for the sport. Yes. I think it would be good. Now, it's kind of, this is the old argument that you have of, is it, you know, kind of like with UConn always winning the women's basketball or things like that. Do you want the same teams? you want these dynasties? Does that hurt the sport or does it not? I don't think the fact that there are dynasties hurts the sport, but it's up to the other teams to get better. Right. You know, it's not up to UConn to not be as good at women's basketball. It's up to everybody else. And, what you, and you're seeing that now in women's basketball. You're seeing that in, in now in softball as well. And I, I and it helps. There are more better players 
And so there's only so many roster spots in these in these great teams. So that you know, so you're seeing some of the other teams have the opportunity to have great players. And I think it's I think it overall it's good for the sport. And I can definitely see there being some non regulars being there. Yeah, I think that it makes the World Series more compelling if you take out maybe a Florida State and you throw in an Oklahoma State like we got last year. You take out possibly a Washington and throw in a Louisiana. I mean, throw in some of the random teams who've gotten better over the last five years or longer in some cases and see how they do. Yeah. See how a Virginia Tech with Pete DeMore does sure. in Oklahoma City. Why not? One thing we haven't seen a lot, uh, pretty much I haven't seen it in this, give me my sixth year doing the play by play for Alabama, is a true Cinderella. Right. I mean, that there was. Within the last couple of years, we've seen all eight top seeds make the World Series. You could argue the closest you have to a true national champion Cinderella was Florida State. Right. Especially the fact that they lost their first game at the World Series and then flat out the loser's bracket. But even them, I mean, they were ACC champions. They, you know, hosted Supers. I I would like to see there being like what happened in baseball a few years ago when Fresno State won their regional went on the road, won their Super Regional, and then won the World Series. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's, if there's somebody that's capable of doing that in softball, but I would like to see somebody that maybe didn't even host regionals make some sort of miraculous Cinderella run. Maybe. I don't know who that would be. Wichita State. Love it for Wichita State. Morgan Lashley, we got your back. Yes, that would be fun. I would be a big Shocker fan until they played Alabama. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> I, I do think that something like that would be a good shot in the arm for the sport because it's growing in popularity – why not give it a real storyline? Why not give it a real us against the world for some small team out in the Midwest? Yeah. Like a Northwestern, maybe. Or, you know, Minnesota kind of already used their deal the right. last couple of years. But they're but, not to the point of they're, you know, they're hosting Super Regionals right. now. So, I mean, that's, I want, I would, I don't know if it's going to happen. I would, I would not predict it, but I would, I want somebody who is not even the host of their regional to make it to the World Series. I like it. Shall we move on? Yes. That's our landmine, our gold mines. Let's go to our SEC preseason rankings. All right. We'll start at 13, go up to one. Okay. I will go first. Sorry, Samantha Ricketts. I'm not buying in. Mm. We saw what Mississippi State looked like when Falelua, Falala, Falala, and Mia Davidson had a little bit of help. I thought, I I don't know why I was thinking Falala was a senior <laughs> last year. She's back to haunt our oh, she's back. Oh, my goodness. Swinging hard as ever at those change-ups. If she makes contact, though. It's true. But they have no help this year. They've got Emily Williams, but offensively, it's it's light. They they just don't have anyone. Yeah. So if they couldn't do anything last year when there was a little bit of insurance behind Leilua and Davidson, what's it going to look like this year? I think it's going to be ugly. I've got Mississippi State in the 13 spot. I got A&M there. Okay. Uh, uh, We saw that they actually tied for – 12th in the uh in the coaches bowl i think they will kind of basically for us here right now basically that's what's what's happening yeah because I, I have Mississippi say 12th i have a&m 12th there you go yeah i think uh, i think it's getting everybody's a hot in the, everyone's in the same boat there yes how about yeah. 11 who you got and i hope coach evans enjoys her retirement uh <laughs> ole miss at number 11 oh really yeah i i just i, I think that the off-season upheaval is gonna i don't i think it's gonna not galvanize it's gonna do the opposite okay so and it's one of those things, and they have a tough schedule. They have a tough conference schedule, including Alabama coming to their place. Uh, it's one of those things where I think there could be some stuff that doesn't go their way early, and they just kind of try to ride the season out and then 
reset everything for 2021. Yeah, I think uh, well, I'll get to Ole Miss in a minute. I've got Auburn number eleven again. Just they lost too much, and I don't really know who's pitching for them besides Ashley Swindle, who had that horrific injury in uh, in our right. regionals last year. I just don't know. Yeah. And I think Mickey Dean is in trouble. Yeah, I, I do too. I have Auburn at ten. Okay. Uh, so, so I think that you can kind of you know mix and match any of those four teams. I just think just knowing Auburn, they're going to win a game or two. They're probably not supposed to, and and get ahead of some of those in the conference. But I agree with you. I, I as I said, I, I would be surprised if Mickey Dean is still the head coach after this year. Yeah, I've got Missouri at ten. I'm buying into Larissa with that vote because I think with what this year could be. I could easily rationalize picking Missouri 12th, but I've got them 10th. I think they'll steal a game or two from some people that aren't expecting it. I don't know what they're going to do with the roster. There have been rumors about whether just a lot of their stars will redshirt. Now, if they do that, then I could see Missouri be 13th. So who knows what Missouri's going to be. I'm betting that Larissa Anderson will fire people up enough to steal a game or two from people that matter in this conference. So I've got Missouri 10. They are are a wild card for sure. Uh, At 9, I have Arkansas. Wow. Yeah. Uh I think I just I don't know what people have seen for them to buy so much into Autumn Storms. I don't know where where they're where, what games they're watching that that saying yes, I think we can rely on her to be the her and half to go you know, I just I just don't I don't see it and as we talked about, I don't know where the offense is. It's going to be hard you, know, you can't win in this league trying to win games 2 to 1. And so I think that's going to hurt Arkansas this year. I okay. think they're I think they're going to make regionals, but they're going to be one of those, you know, bubble teams last four in type. Really? Yeah. Wow, that would be disappointing for Courtney Diefel considering where this program was a couple years ago. Right. Let's uh, go to my number nine. I've got Ole Miss, and that is a vote for Molly Jacobson. How good Ole Miss is depends on her, frankly, yep. mm-hmm. because the offense will be what it is. They weren't great offensively last year. Molly Jacobson did a lot of the heavy lifting. But when she had bad performances, they turned to Brittany Finney. Brittany Finney's gone. Mm-hmm. I don't know who they've got behind Jacobson. I'm not sure it matters. I've got Ole Miss 9. All right. At number 8, I have Missouri. You know, we talked about just a wild card. I, I think they'll win some games. I don't. I, I doubt they do the red shirting. Uh, again, if they do the red shirting, then throw all this out. Yeah. But uh, I think they win some games that they're not supposed to, and I think they get themselves up to 8. You ready? Oh, my gosh. My number eight is Tennessee. Oh. Who's pitching besides Ashley Rogers? I know they've got Turner. I've heard she's good. I've heard she throws it hard. But I just, I don't know. Something doesn't feel right about Tennessee this year. Okay, I'm I'm all for it if that's the case. Yeah. but I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not buying. And I know I did this a little bit last year with a couple teams, and it bit me in the butt, but I'm doing it again. I don't believe in Tennessee. Okay, Good. I think they'll be. I think they will be better uh, offensively, and they'll look sturdier defensively with Shipman back. Right. I think she's going to have a great year. But All right. Tennessee's my number eight. At number seven, I have Kentucky. Uh, again, they are an enigma. I'm not really 100 percent sure what they have, uh, but I don't think you lose somebody like Abby Cheek and then replace them well enough to be able to get any higher than than seventh. Okay, seven. I've got Arkansas again. I think Mary Half will do great. I think Autumn Storms will be fine. I think they'll get just enough offense to win about half their conference games. There That's, you go. There's the analysis. Right. <laughs> six for you, Tom. I uh, be a lot of it because of the of the sell job you did. I have South Carolina at six. Okay. Yeah, I moved them up uh, in my my original line. My original lineup that I had written down here, I had them down at ninth, but I, I moved them up. Uh, I agree. I think they have a lot a lot coming back. If O if O is healthy. 
uh, I think they'll be pretty good. Hmm. I'm changing it up from what I've got written down. I'm going to put Kentucky at six because I like what you said, and I was kind of leaning to moving them down. I just I think their offense is going to be fine, but they they kind of lack that power element. They're losing Shaper. They're losing Cheek. And we saw how hot and cold Humes and Ballman could be at times last right. year. So I think the inconsistency will get them. I've got Kentucky six. All right. At fifth, I have Georgia. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not buying into them as much as you are, but I, again, I just I got to know why Febri left. If That's if I fair. if I have if they can give me a legitimate all oh, that makes sense reason and how it's not going to affect the rest of the team, I, I will buy into them a little bit more. But as it stands right now, I, I just I, I can't. Jump on board when somebody hit that should have been contending for this conference just had their best player transfer for no reason. Okay, I, I hear you. We'll touch on that in a minute. I've got <laughs> South Carolina number five. I mentioned why I'm buying in. I think this is going to be a good team this year in Columbia, yeah. and we'll see. Again, a lot of it depends on how O responds and how healthy she really is this year. At number four, I have the Florida Gators. So do I. Just because. They're going to be good. Yeah, as much <laughs> as you, as much as you want to say they're not going to be good, they're going to be good because all these players are going to have the right. pressure come off of them. That yeah, they're no longer behind Laurent. You know, it's going to be all that yeah. junk, and they're going to be fine, and they're going to be within two games of Alabama going into the second to last weekend. Or Probably something so. Like I mean, they. You know, that's what I'm saying. They're, you know, that they obviously they've recruited well. They're going to have some freshmen come in that we don't know about yet. They're they're going to be good, uh, and they might have some of what Alabama had last year, to where no one was talking about Alabama, and. They were able to put it together. We'll see what happens at Florida. All right. Uh, I'll move ahead to number three. I've got Florida four, like I said. Three is LSU. I have them at three, too. Yeah. I, you know, this team is confusing to me. I, I want to see their offense. Losing the Sanchez's is big. We saw what their offense looked like when Amanda Sanchez was cold, which was pretty much the entire back half of the season. Right. They weren't a good scoring team. I want to see Shelby Wickersham get that development that – makes her even better than she looked like she could have been last year, if that makes sense. I thought she was the best pitcher on their staff at times. I thought that she was not trusted, though, in big moments. I'd like to see that change. I think Beth Tarina could have a dark horse on her hands if they can get out of the mindset. Yeah, where they got to get out of their own head. Games. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and then what do we always say, you know, at Alabama, when the football team does well, you know, the, it, everybody – Everybody right. does, seems That's to do fair. well. You know, the, the the rising tide lifts all boats type of situation. LSU is currently in first place in the men's basketball standings. Right. So, then there's got to be there's got to be so much confidence right now in that entire athletic department. Mm-hmm. And so, how how will that affect this team moving forward? We'll see. But it, it may not affect them at all. But it 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 dirt it certainly helps at Alabama. I know that. I agree. So. Yeah. If we were in Baton Rouge this year. Who knows what could have happened? But right. the game's in Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. The series, rather. You're number two, Tom. I got the Lady Vols. Wow, six spot difference yeah. between us. I think that's that's our that's the big difference in our in our predictions here is where we have Tennessee. Yeah, I, I think that Shipman will make that much of a difference. I think she'll make that much of a difference offensively. I think she'll make that much of a difference for the pitching staff being the catcher. I think I think that I think that hurt the pitching staff for Tennessee last year. Almost as much as it did their offense. It's a great point. when she went down. Yeah, so I, I think that's going to be a huge difference. I've got Georgia. I'm a Mary Wilson Avant truther. I go well. I'm buying in. I don't know why, but I am. You know, have I mentioned Phoebe transferred for no reason? You have, and okay. it's it's a very compelling argument. <laughs> I just I think that 
we've seen Georgia kind of do this. Sure. Pop out of nowhere. Yep. Have some people just go off with great years. I mean, I, I think that this is happening. Okay. And they don't play Alabama, they which don't. is big. They also do not play Tennessee. Sometimes the schedule does make a difference. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. But I, you know, I I could see it. I'm not saying I don't see it. I just need to know why. <laughs> Let's move on. I, and then I, who's number one? Oh, Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. Right. Right. We, we almost skipped it. I think right. It's I was a like, foregone right. conclusion. Really, <laughs> it's not in any way. And again, if people are listening, we're we're joking. But, but I mean, this is not us being a homer. They are an almost unanimous preseason pick for a good reason. And roster. Up and down, they are the best team in the SEC. Right. It's they, not close. They have the most returning. They had a great end of the season last year. Or the people that, great season last the year. The people that are returning are the key ones. Right. You know, and no offense to any of the graduated seniors, they were great with the roles that they filled. Right. But you're not losing the equivalent of an Amanda Lorenz or an Abby Cheek. That's not happening this year. And it's right. happening everywhere else in the conference. Exactly. All right. So there you go. Let's move on. Okay. It's time for Tom's favorite. And it's not Tom's Hungry. That is my favorite, and I we appreciate the people that yes. are already giving us uh, options in our road trips. I'll, I'll go ahead and do this then. Yeah. If you want to send us recommendations for right. any of our road trips, if you want to know where we're going, the schedule's online. Right. <laughs> Just look it up. Rolltide.com. And tweet us at outofthebox underscore pod, because we take local recommendations of yes. people that go to these cities often, and we will run with it, and we will give our opinion on these restaurants. Can't wait. I'm excited. But- your favorite in terms of ranting <laughs> right, yes. is the off-the-wall segment. It, Tom, take it away. Okay, so again, the season hasn't even started, and we already have an off-the-wall. And this is kind of go- this is going to some other sports, but the, what, what really got me was Alabama men's basketball. The Tide goes on the road and beats Vanderbilt. Is Vanderbilt a great basketball team? No. No. No, my gosh, no. They're not very good. <laughs> no, shield the eyes, no. <laughs> They're not very good. But there have been, it was at Memorial Gym, in Vanderbilt, at in Nashville, at Vanderbilt. Alabama does not historically play well at Vanderbilt. There's been much better Alabama teams that have lost to much worse Vanderbilt teams in Memorial Gym. Alabama goes to Vanderbilt and wins easily. I believe the final score was like 15 points was yeah. the margin of victory. And people are complaining about the turnovers that Alabama had during the game. I don't care if Alabama had 100 turnovers. You just won easily at Vanderbilt. Now, if you're the coach, yes, I want you upset about the turnovers, and, and we're fixing that. And Coach Nate Oates is doing that. I'm, I am cannot be more happy with how things are going under Coach Oates in his first season. Agreed. But fans do not need to have the mindset that a coach does watching these games. Enjoy the game and be happy when you win. This is the mindset that is coming over from football, the process and everything else, which is great. I love the process. I'm so happy. Coach Saban, we're doing great. National champions all over the place. Couldn't be happier. But that's not how you're supposed to watch games as a fan. You're supposed to cheer for your team, be happy when they win, be upset when they lose, but be still be supportive even in a loss. And people need to realize that and do that looking at all the sports at Alabama Get out of the mindset where we got to we got to we got to be critique we got to critique the play of the team in in victories. Mm-hmm. It's not necessary. Be happy you won, and we'll go on to the next game. Don't don't don't, don't be like well if we play like that against blah 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 we're never going. Well, it's a different game. The same thing happened to me. I got <sighs> I got a text and a group message I'm in of people complaining about Kansas State out 
offensive rebounding Alabama by like 19 or 20. Who won the game? Alabama. So, so folks, <laughs> we're setting the tone. Stuff like this, Jeez. stuff like that, that's yeah. what we're going to call out. Right. And we're going to have some fresh blood because a couple people who got a little bit too squirrely on certain social media mm-hmm. pages, they got the boot. Right. And rightfully and, so. Yes. And now we've got new people to go crazy about a loss to right. somebody by one run in 12 innings. I noticed there are a lot of people that got really quiet as Alabama was making a run through the World Series. Learned to hit, apparently. Mm. Yeah, there, so... Well, I wouldn't know because he blocked me. But. Well, true, but, <laughs> but in general, I mean, come on. And don't expect Alabama... I will, I, if they do it, go ahead and book Oklahoma City. I don't expect Alabama to go undefeated through this non-conference schedule. No. I think a reasonable goal is to get out of the first two weekends with two losses. Three, I'm fine with. More than that, a little bit of concern. But two, I think, is a good right. goal to have. And anything better is fantastic. 100%. Yeah. And uh, as the kids say, as I did last year, I'm keeping the receipts. If I see a comment, I've got a note document ready. I'm going to uh, write it down. We are big grudge holders, yes, by the way. because we have a segment in which we <laughs> hold the grudge. Yes. That's it for the Out of the Box Season 2 premiere. We've got a great plan this season, Tom. I know. Really you, looking forward to it. Do you know what we're doing? You do, because I've right. told you. But right. Are you excited? Podcast-a-palooza. The Podcast-a-palooza. Yes. Chatting with our friends at Seven Innings and In the Circle, and I guess apparently Florida State. I think it's called Coaches and Coffee. I have to go look again. Oh, that's right. They do have that. Yeah, yes, we'll yes, reach yes. out to Lonnie. We're doing multiple On the Road series this year. We've got On the Road at Clearwater. We're doing On the Road at the SEC Tournament, which is coincidentally here, but here. we're going to go find somewhere to <laughs> right. record. Uh, we have plenty of places. Yeah. We're going to do the postseason as we travel, mm-hmm. hopefully just one trip, and we're going to do one, maybe two, big road series this year. Yeah. You're pushing for Tennessee. I'm looking at Knoxville. Uh, we know we know some people. You mentioned Brian Rice already. You yeah. know, does, he, you know, we're good friends with him. Let's see if we can pull him on. I know some other people in Knoxville, so... Uh, maybe we can make that one happen. Yeah, we'll see. There, are co- I I think a podcast in Columbia, Missouri could be great. I think Oxford. We'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see. But you'll be the first to find out on our Twitter, at outofthebox underscore pod, mm-hmm. or our personal Twitters. Tom, where can people find you? Uh, RTR on the Twitter. Uh, you can always get just the best non-biased bias of comments. Course. And I'm at Gray <laughs> underscore Robertson. And follow those Twitters, too, because we will be revealing times, places, areas, I don't know, where we're going to give out some of our swag and gear. We have swag. We have swag. We have shirts and koozies. And the farcical t-shirt is coming, people. Oh, I can't wait. Get ready. Get get the swag, as Michael Scott said. That stands for Stuff We All Get. (laughs) And if you listen or follow us along, you can be one of those people who gets that swag. You'll get that stuff. You'll get that stuff. And, you know, you can also listen where, Tom? Where can people find us during the season, which starts very soon? Well, you can hear us in Tuscaloosa on 93.3 FM uh, on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. You can follow. There's also the app, the TuneIn app that's available there, and you can uh, get that pretty much anywhere that you are. So you can follow us along all the time. Fantastic. We did it. I know. Season two. We're, we're going. Let's go. The season starts very soon. Thank you to our guests, Emily P. Tech, head coach Patrick Murphy, multiple, multi-winner of the SEC Coach of the Year. Yes. With Should. the SEC preseason frontrunner. 
Should have been the conf- should have been the national coach of the year last year. I agree. Either him or Pete Demore. Either way, <laughs> of course, of course, Pete. <laughs> and uh, to all of you, we thank you for tuning in to the season premiere of Out of the Box, and we're so excited to share the next few months of this crazy season with all of you out there. It's going to be so much fun. Road trips, exhibition games. We're doing it big. Oh, it's going to be awesome. And but we're not on the plane a whole lot. We're so not. It's going to be you know, unfortunately, no Hawaii trip this year. <sighs> That's okay. I, I bought all those bathing suits for one week. <laughs> Just one time. And now they're completely useless because <laughs> I'm not swimming this time. <laughs> oh, boy. For my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. It's going to be a great ride. Stick around all year long because a lot more is coming. That's it for us. We'll see you next time on Out of the Box.